Welcome back to Hot Takes Only, folks. This is episode 36. This is the long-awaited American League preview. Uh, we were supposed to do this a couple weeks ago, but some poor planning on my part, uh, and then life just getting the best of us uh, last week uh, prevented us from being able to do this, but we're back. Uh, today's actually opening day, and by the time you hear this, it'll be uh, April 2nd. So just a day after, every team except for, I think, four teams have played, and we have... Still no idea what's going to happen because it's one game out of 162. But I'm happy we're able to do this now. And uh, Willie, if you want to introduce our special guest, then I'll tell, uh, hand it over to you. And it's not April Fool's. It actually is. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have uh, my friend Matt Ryle. He's a good friend from college. He's a big, avid sports fan of mostly um, New York-based teams, except for the Cowboys. But uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Matt. How are you doing? Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Super uh, excited to be on. Uh, been waiting to get the invite, uh, and super excited to, to oh. talk some baseball with you guys. Well, you're welcome to the time, man. You're you're a big sports fan and know a lot about this. So I want to start you off by we're, I want to get into a lot of kind of the rise and fall of the Yankees here. But first, can you can you start off by by kind of talking about just what it was like growing up in Jersey and, and how, how you became a Yankees fan and, and what it was like being a fan as a kid and, and now? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, growing up in Jersey, it's, it's kind of a unique experience just because, you know, uh, you're kind of in the middle of two major cities, you know, you got New York and you got Philly cause I'm from central Jersey. So you obviously have a lot of uh, Philly fans, but you also obviously have a lot of New York fans. So with that said, growing up where I grew up, you know, I had a lot of friends who were Yankees fans, a lot of big baseball fans, and uh, my dad was a big Yankees fan. So I just kind of, you know, started watching with him, started watching baseball myself, uh, you know, just grew to love sports. It was always a passion of mine. I used to play soccer, um, big soccer guy. Um, but, um, you know, I just was always playing sports with my friends. And I think when you play sports so much, it kind of, you know, it, you watch sports a lot too. It's just, you know, it's exciting. It's fun. It's, you know, it's kind of my passion. It's what I've always loved to do. And I'm, you know, ex I get to continue doing this cause I work in this, you know, sports media industry, which is awesome. But, um, you know, Jersey was just, uh, you know, it's a place where sports is kind of ingrained into the, you know, culture because there's so many different you know, arenas and stadiums and places where you can go and watch sports in person. Um, and I think that also contributed to it when you're, you know, a 30 to 45 minute drive from MetLife and City Field and Yankee Stadium. And then, you know, you can also go to Lincoln Field in Philly, um, Citizens Bank Park. You know, you have all these different options. And I think, uh, you know, growing up in that atmosphere and also with a lot of friends who uh loved watching sports as well as my family um you know it just kind of kind of grew my passion and love for them and you know ever since then it's kind of it's kind of been one of the most important things in my life um but uh yeah so no that's very interesting and congrats on being philly in the 20 and 2009 World Series. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, so one, one thing I can hold my head on. <laughs> that's true. So one of the most interesting um, questions, you know, in in my just sports consumption, and I, I predicted on this podcast 
Owen will tell you as a bold take that in, that the Yankees will not win another World Series in my lifetime, uh, which may seem a little irrational for sure. But my big question, one of my big questions, Matt, is that the Yankees obviously growing up were the biggest dynasty in sports. You know, the murderers row teams, you know, you think about all the World Series championships they have. And then, you know, kind of recently when we were born, right, they have the three-peat in 1998 and 2000. And even after that, they were still good. They, you know, they lost in the World Series a couple times against Arizona and uh, Florida at that time. Um, but then ever since they, they won that 2009 World Series, um, I believe it's been 11 years. They've uh, made the playoffs. I think they missed the playoffs three times. And then the other eight, they have, you know, come up short uh, for various reasons or another. So uh, one of my big questions is, um, what to what do you attribute the fall of the dynasty and perhaps you could say lost decade in the you know, 2010s for the Yankees? What changed since when we were a kid when everyone would talk about men like just how infallible the Yankees are yeah I mean that's that's an interesting question I mean I I will say um, a couple things just to start off I mean the 2010s was uh, the first decade I'm pretty sure the Yankees hadn't won a World Series since like the 20s or 30s it was pretty um, remarkable decade and you know obviously it's a tough one you know for all Yankee fans is you know you're so used to winning Um, and Secondly, I will say, Willie, about your hot take, I, I don't know when you're planning on dying, but <laughs> unless you plan on dying very young, I, I don't think your hot take is going to come true. Um, but I, I think, I think you know, there's a couple of reasons why. One, I think, you know, you had a few transition years in there where you have the era with Jeter, A-Rod, Teixeira, you know, you know Prime CC, and you know, all these guys kind of fell off and grew old at similar times. And they had, you know, they struggled to find, you know, those replacement superstars. And I think that kind of um, contributed to their lack of success, you know, as they were kind of trying to figure out what direction they wanted to go. And I think the rebuild comparative to most teams rebuild was very short. And I think they got lucky because, you don't know what you're going to get out of Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge. And to be quite honest with you, I had heard about Aaron Judge before he came up. And his first at-bat, he hit a home run. Then he played awful. And this was, uh, I believe, in 2016. And then it was, I think, the 2017 year where he had his outstanding rookie year. But nobody really expected much from him when he made the team. you know. And then all of a sudden, he blew up. Gary Sanchez the year before that was great, so we expected big things out of him. And then the Luis Severino pitched very well. So I think it was kind of, you know, the getting back to the Yankees of old was the fact that they had this homegrown talent. And I think for a few years, they kind of lost that aspect. You know, they didn't put a premium on developing players. You know, they had, you know, you, you grew Jeters. And obviously— the Yankees were always going to buy players. But as many players that you can buy, you're still going to need to have some good, talented young players come up through the ranks in your system. And I think for a lot of years, the Yankees didn't really have that. They lost that aspect. 
So they were just trying to buy these older veterans, but you need those young, you know, you need those young homegrown stars as well. And I think for a lot of the 2010s, that wasn't really, you know, that wasn't something they had. They didn't have that youth injection, a lot of older guys. And I think in 2017, you saw that kind of start to change. And then you saw them with their core nucleus get those big name guys like Stanton, Cole, you know, those sorts of guys. And I think, um, but even now, most of their team is homegrown or young guys, Clint Frazier. I know he wasn't necessarily homegrown, but he's a younger guy. He wasn't a superstar. So as much as people think the Yankees should spend all their money, recently they haven't been doing that necessarily. They really just have Stanton and Cole. So I think, you know, I think the main reason for their downfall recently has just been they really didn't put a premium on young, talented players, and their um, they didn't put a premium on their depth, and they didn't put a premium on their farm system. And I think you see now them doing that more often, and um, I think it'll end up benefiting them in the long term. Yeah, and go ahead on. No, Willie, I was just going to say, uh, I think the first time you, you had the hot take where you said the Yankees wouldn't win a World Series in our lifetime, uh, the, the, immediately the thing I thought of was that the Yankees don't rebuild like every other team. The way they rebuild is we still have to win games. And the, I mean, a bad season for them when they were, you know, quote unquote rebuilding was what, 83, 84 wins? Yeah. Most for most clubs, that's you know, sorry, it's a decent season, not great. You're probably gonna miss the playoffs uh, unless you're like an AL Central team. Which for some reason, the AL Central, there's always a team in like the '80s who seems to sneak into the playoffs. It just has that feel to it. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, um, no, no. I think the most, the worst season they've had in the 2000s is like 84 wins. Right, know? and and so yeah. it's one of those things where their their rebuild is kind of like. You know, it's it's like a Real Madrid in soccer to make that analogy. It's like they don't have the uh, the opportunity to miss out on, you know, being in the semifinals of the Champions League or in the final of the Copa del Rey or in the top three in Spain. They they can't do that. That's not like acceptable by their standards. For the Yankees, I'd argue it's the same thing. It's they have to win today and they have to win tomorrow. And the way they had their model was we're going to put everything into winning today, and if you know, whatever happens tomorrow, we'll just fix it with the same way we're winning today. And eventually you realize that model's not as sustainable and they kind of run out of that. But going back to the new kind of young core, they're, they're, they're seeing the exactly how important it is to not only have a mix of veterans and experience and be able to, you know, throw some money at some free agents, but have young homegrown talent who kind of, you know, they play the game a certain way. Like Tampa Bay, for example, how that how they develop all the pitchers they do, that's not just pure luck. They they have a specific model of doing that. And every team that has that identity is gonna do better as far as when they have to build and rebuild. So that's why the Dodgers are, are gonna be around for a while as well. Yep. So yeah. That that take I honestly, Willie, it's <laughs> like <laughs> There's a little, a little petty part of me that wants you to be right, uh, but ultimately, you know, the Yankees oh, no, are too good to let to that happen. Right. You know, you want me to be right. Yeah, I mean, I, I do, but also we have the Astros to clown now, so it's the, the, you know, pun intended. There's a whole new ball game, and um, I'm, I'm glad there's someone else, someone else to, uh, you know, collectively hate. 
Let's not talk about the ass. <laughs> so nobody's been more affected by the Astros than Yankee fans. Uh, so we will, we will. I for I'm for sure going to ask you about that. Uh, I, mean, I, I just want to comment on, on saying I think you you really hit the nail on the head, which is I, I think one of the I think there's a few different reasons you could point to, but I definitely think the 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 commitment of the Yankees to really developing you know, young players has made all the difference because I think that you think of like the core four, the core five that the Yankees had. And when your farm system is not great, when those, when the Pettits and the Rivera's and the Jeter's and the Bernie Williams, and when those guys age, you know, you don't, the Yankees have also made some bad free agency signings in the past, but you know, you don't have the ability to replenish, but then some of those guys haven't, um, you know, um, some of those guys, to be honest, were just busts. You think of the, you know, Ruben Rivera's, um, you know, Austin Jackson's. I think you could say Deonor Navarro's, you know, Nick Johnson's, uh, to some extent, Jose Contreras. Uh, Phil Hughes, I would say, is a little bit of a bust still. Um, Eric Duncan, another one. So I think that when you think of, in contrast to the new teams, I mean, I think the Yankees also just had – a lot of prospects that didn't pan out. So I think that's, you know, that's another, another thing. They just, they kind of got a little unlucky. But that ends up happening, Willie, when you don't invest in that talent and you don't put a premium on it and it doesn't matter to you because you think, Oh, okay. If this guy doesn't pan out, we'll just go buy somebody. And Mm -hmm. when you, again, when you buy veteran, there's in today's day and age, even if you're the Yankees, there's very few times on the market where there's really young superstars we're talking the uh, you know the trouts you know the ronald lacuna jr is like you guys uh, you know like uh, he's not gonna hit the market the the mookie betses you know those guys there it's teams are locking the the fernando tatises of the world like they're just not going on the market as much anymore so if you're just going to keep buying the 30 year old veterans who might be good but might wear down in a couple years and might not you know have a lot of their best ahead of them it's just it's just not going to work out your way and i think the second aspect of their downfall has been pitching i think uh, their pitching has been a problem if we're actually going to find a second aspect obviously the homegrown's the biggest issue but if we're you're really going to find a second aspect it's their pitching it hasn't. It just. It hasn't been as good. They've been. They were trying before they got Garrett Cole. They were trying to find an, you know, a real impact ace. You know, one of the top five guys in the league or top ten for a long time. As good as Tanaka was, you know, CC at the end, Severino. As good as Severino was that one year where he was a you know Cy Young candidate. They never had other guys that were just you know above average, and that you know. It puts a lot of pressure on your bullpen to be great, which they largely were, um, and they've been very good. But you know, bullpen bullpens are bullpens because they're inconsistent no matter what. So, I also think that in today's day and age, it's a lot easier for teams to develop young, good pitching because everybody's throwing a hundred nowadays. Yeah. And it, it also, if you're not doing that, you're going to be put at a disadvantage because, you know. It's just a lot of teams are going to have those guys coming out of the bullpen throwing 100. You know, even today, the Toronto Blue Jays. Does anybody know anybody on the Blue Jays 
bullpen. I don't think I could name one guy except for Kirby Yates, who's out for the season. He's their closer. I, I couldn't. And then I watched them today. They had like three guys pumping like 97 plus and nobody knows who they are at all. And yet people will probably say they have a, you know, not great bullpen, but they did a pretty damn good job today because again, everybody's throwing 97 plus. So it evens the playing field a bit, in my opinion. And so mm -hmm. the Yankees have to get, you know, they have to get better at kind of doing their jobs in a more complete way and not just, you know, saying, okay, we're the Yankees. We have all this spending power. Let's just go out there and buy everything. That's just not how it works anymore. So do you think that the, let me ask you this. Do you think that that is because the game has changed and there is a premium on pitching and the bullpen, or do you think it's more, you could say the Yankees maybe realize that spending money on big free agency is not the way to go and it's just risky. And they've also made a lot of bad signings. I mean, even if you think in the, the two thousands, right. You think of, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury, that was a really bad contract. I can think of Vernon Wells, um, Carlos Beltran. I mean, these are huge amounts of money. So my point is, you can get not only are um, could you say that the bullpens are maybe more important today, but for huge sums of money, you can get so many relief pitchers, you know, they're not that expensive. Exactly. And that's like, for example, the Yankees traded Adam Adovino away. He didn't have a great year that last year. Everybody knows his talent, but he did not have a great year. He's a little sporadic. They traded him to the Red Sox. I think he was due like 14 to 15 million. It's a lot of money for a reliever. And with that money, they then picked up two very quality, almost just as good, if not better last year, uh, bullpen arms in Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson that were cheaper. So, I mean, you're right in the fact that, you know, you don't, you know, want to give these lump sums, lump sums to veterans who are inconsistent. And if you're going to be giving money to people, the, they need to be young. If it's a long-term contract, they need to be very young. They need to be the Fernando Tatises, you know, or they need to be a generational talents like a Garrett Cole, a Mookie Betts. And, and I think the Yankees just got so like, I'm just going to throw money at every solid veteran player, you know, even if he's not a superstar. And then it just, you know, the Yankees were, they, it works sometimes but it works when you complement your young core with those types of signings. The Jeter, the A-Rods, you complement, you know, where you complement a Jeter with an A-Rod who is a signing, not a homegrown yeah. guy. You complement, you know, to share a Jeter A-Rod with a CC when you needed a pitcher, you go out and get CC. But a lot of those guys were homegrown. And you figure out what pieces you need to fit around those homegrown stars. And that's where you flex your muscle. And I think uh, that's what they've been doing a little bit better recently, although they have been a little bit more stingy uh, under Hal Steinbrenner. Yeah. Yeah, do you think, um, and Owen, you can chime in on this because I'm curious what you think about this as well. Um, do you, I think Matt just said the word stingy, which I think is really interesting, and I would agree. Um do you think that the Yankees would have a different strategy? And do you think 
the change in ownership, right, after, you know, George um, is really hurting the team. And, and for example, I think, you know, in the, I, I think if George was still there, there's no way that the Yankees don't go for Machado, Bryce Harper, guys like that. You know, yes, they got Garrett Cole, but, you know, do you think the change in ownership, is that something that makes you sad? And Owen, you can, you can chime in as, as well on that. I mean, look, it definitely had an impact, but is it the only impact? No. It, it did have an impact. They're not as willing to give these big contracts out. And I think initially they were, and then they saw what happened with Ellsbury, with those types of signings. It did not work out for them. It's a new age. And I think um, they realized that they needed to adjust. And maybe back in... You know, George Steinbrenner's days, it was a bit easier to just flex your might. But with so many great players out there, so much talent in the league, it's not enough to just buy, you know, and do yeah. act the way they used to. And also, even when George was alive, they had a lot of homegrown young talent. Mm -hmm. They did. They've always had good, young, homegrown talent. That was never something that they were ever without. That doesn't mean they didn't sign good guys. That didn't mean they didn't sign the big names or make the big trades or go for the big moves. But they always had good, homegrown talent to complement it. And I really think that was the biggest issue we saw earlier. Uh, they got away from that. And I think with this team, You know, this team is good enough to win a World Series. The offense has always been good enough. Mm -hmm. um, it's been the pitching that's been the issue. And I'm still not sold on it personally, but I think that's been their issue for a long time and they've never fully addressed their starting pitching. But I will say this year, there's a lot of good teams. I will say that AL is probably more of a Yankees versus you know, the field type deal this year, mm -hmm. um, just based on the talent level of everybody else, the Astros got worse, you know, uh, most of the AL teams outside of like the blue Jays and white Sox got worse. And then, you know, they, they lose the white Sox lose Jimenez, you know, to a torn peck. Um, and I don't really know who really got better. The Astros got worse. Um, I don't really know who got better, but the NL, you got the Dodgers, the Braves, the Padres, the Mets got a lot better too. The Phillies yeah. are a good team. Uh, the Nats are always there with their pitching. So I think, um, you know, the Yankees in terms of being able to get to the world series, I think if they're pitching, obviously it's a lot of, you know, question marks with Talion and, um, Herman and Kluber. But again, all three of those guys, and Severino's coming back have insane talent, insane talent. Yeah. If 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 two to three of those two two of those guys put out put up really nice seasons, not superstar, but really like number two, number three starts, even like a one B starter type season, which they're all three capable of. And you have maybe a couple back end guys like a Montgomery or Herman or, you know, another guy. I think this pitching could be the best it's been in a very long time. And I think if that happens, the Yankees can finally get to the world series. I don't know if they have enough to beat any of those teams though. Cause those teams are, you know, Padres and Dodgers specifically. Mm -hmm. are 
and the Braves, but Padres and Dodgers specifically are they're monsters. No. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say, Matt, you touched on a lot of really interesting points there, and I think that's always th- the same thing that I've thought with the Yankees, especially in the last you know 10 to 15 years, is that, yeah, the, the, the talent on the offensive side of the ball is always going to be there. They're never going to struggle to score runs, uh, especially when you get to play 81 games at a really small ballpark. I, I don't care who you are. That's going to help your team regardless. Uh, it, the thing is, I remember in the, uh, the offseason prior to the 09 season, so... The, the season they got CC and Mark Teixeira and AJ Burnett all in the same offseason. What happened? They won the World Series. It, it's it's things like that where where teams identify a glaring need and they go out and fix that need. Some clubs it takes five to ten years. Some clubs it can be done in an offseason. And and with the Yankees since since then that's uh, that's been the idea. I mean the the lineup as is is still a scary proposition no matter who they're playing. I mean, you throw you throw say Walker Bueller at that lineup. There's no way they don't score at least three. You you throw say Blake Snell at that lineup again. Same thing. How do you how do you you know how do you get around good pitching? Is with good pitching. Is not it's not necessarily with good hitting because you know you can score all you want, but if you can't hold if you can't hold leads, it it's pointless and. And so that that idea has been that. And I, I don't think it's a question of, of the Yankees being too financially stringent or too frugal, if you will. I think it's more so just, you know, we have a, a glaring need for a pitcher. Cole is at, you know, at the time he was the number one arm on the market. Let's go out and get him. Let's give him whatever he whatever it takes to bring him to New York. And it it definitely paid dividends when he started and. You know, he he may not have had the the same kind of same caliber year he had in um, in Houston, but he's still an extremely extremely good pitcher. Uh, you know, he's top three in in the league right now, and it's it's not one of those things where you know it can you can fix every every demon you've had can be exercised in one off season or one season. Sometimes it can take years. I mean, the Dodgers what they they started knocking on the door. I mean, I guess. You know, coming back to the table, I think it was what 2016, and then no, 2011, 2012. I mean, well, they, I mean, tw- yeah, 2013, but they never really, like you know, like right. But they, but at the point, they never. You didn't really think of them as like, oh, you know, the Dodgers have a legitimate shot at winning the World Series. But they hired Dave Roberts, and yeah. all of a sudden, there's a bit of a switch in how the team is perceived and how they play. And all of a sudden, 2016 through 2019, they are one of the best teams in baseball, if not over that span, the best team. And then obviously 2020, they just kind of steamrolled everyone, uh, except for Atlanta, who if Dansby Swanson didn't forget how to run the bases, and if Chris Martin decided to not throw Cody Bellinger 95 down the middle, uh, we'd be talking about, we could be talking about a different game. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that drives me insane about, you know, teams that you talk about like longevity with teams it's it's so hard to stay good for that long and the yeah. fact that the yankees can consider 85 wins a bad season i think is is you kind of have to take a step back and go wait that's you know this is still the the new york yankees they're not they're not going to go away they're not just going to be you know 86 years without a world series they're not going to be 100 plus without a world series they're going to win championships that's just what they are and they have periods like this where they don't win for a while, but it, that's the same with, you know, most every other team in sports. It happens. Yeah, I will say this is definitely a bit longer than what 
you know, has been the norm for them. Like I said, I think the 2010s was the first decade without a championship um, in like 80 years for the Yankees, which again puts into perspective your point that they just don't go away. You know, they don't. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're right about Cole. You know, I mean, uh, the one thing about Cole I will say is he he got off to a tough start. You know, last year, uh, this year, you know, he tends to get off to slow starts, but when it comes time for the playoffs. Like last year in the playoffs, he was just as good as he was when he was with the Astros. I mean, if he let up one run, I was shocked. You know, mm. uh, he was an absolute stud. But you're right. You know, uh, their bullpens came in. Their ancillary, you know, their their back end starters were not good at all. Tanaka, you know, you you win on you put so much pressure on winning on cold days. And if you lose one of them because your other starters aren't good, you're done. And I think that's been the problem for a while is that they've yeah. maybe had one, you know, they had that one year where Tanaka, the last couple of years outside of last year, Tanaka was excellent in the postseason. But Severino wasn't great. Paxton wasn't great. Uh, you know, the other guys that they had pitching just were not great. So they always have that one guy. Yeah, yeah right, Jay. But you just, you need more than one guy. To lead you through the you know the playoffs like you you need two to three at least and then the other guys at least need to be you know quality because as you said the Yankees can squeeze not many teams even if you're the best offense are going to score many runs off of the big name pitchers you could be the best of the best even the Yankees they might have a better chance of maybe exploding like they've done a couple times against the big name pitchers but more often than you not you're going to be in a, a fight in a, yeah. in a dogfight, and if your pitching is just never able to keep you in that low-scoring affair, you're not—you're just not going to win. And alternatively, though, I will put some of the blame on the offense because there have been times when that's been the case, and this offense has just not been as clutch as you know it needs to be. And that's largely a product of the fact that if there's one downside of the Yankees' offense, as good as they are. Last year they led the league. They're they're one of the best, if not the best. The one downfall is they don't. There's two downfalls. They're a little bit righty heavy, Definitely. and they don't have enough contact guys. And I think they tried to do their best to, you know, get those contact guys in there more. You know, with yeah. obviously resigning Lemayhew, he's been exactly what they needed. They need like one more of him somewhere in that lineup, and. You know, I think that would really do wonders. Uh, Clint Frazier, I don't know if he's a contact guy, but I wouldn't necessarily say he's like a strikeout guy either because he does put with his bat speed. Um, but I think that's that's the thing is they, they strike out a bit too much. And I yeah. think um, that makes it against good pitchers. It just makes it harder to score those runs unless you're hitting homers. And I think in close games where you need to eke out a run, it makes it tough for them. And I think that's one of the reasons they also haven't had success in the playoffs. I won't put all the blame on the pitching, although, you know, pitching hasn't done them any favors. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say two points in response to what you said. Uh, number one, I, I just think um, that I think one thing we've seen as a trend in baseball is that to me, like, you know, good pitching beats good hitting. I really believe that in the postseason, good pitching beats good hitting, and no matter how lethal your offense is, you know you can get shut down uh, during stretches in the postseason. Particularly, like you said, if you don't have contact guys. 
Um, and then the second thing I'll say is that, you know, I know the Yankees are trying, but I'm not convinced that the rotation until we see it is going to be any better than what it, what it has been outside of Cole. You know, I, I look, I'm an Indian fan. I want to believe in Corey Kluber. I, I don't believe in him. I'm not sure about Tyon. I mean, you got Severino back, you know, Debbie Garcia showed he's too young. You know, you know, Herman is talented for sure. Super talented. He won 18 games two years ago. And he's back and that's great. And, you know, you've got some good, you know, prospects too, but for you to contend with, I mean, whoever you might face in the world series, potentially like that's a, that's a tall task. Yeah. You're right, Willie. You know? Yeah. That's but I, the one thing I will say about the pitching comparative to other years is the ceiling on these guys is much higher than what it has been. The ceiling of this pitching staff is much higher because Tanaka, as good as he is, he was consistent, but you weren't going to get, you know, a sh- many crazy shutdown games. You know, yeah. you uh, with Paxton, you definitely weren't getting that. You get the occasional big game, uh, but most of the time, you know, even he was, you know, inconsistent. Were the those four guys that you just listed? They have some. They have they have ace stuff. Yeah. Uh, Kluber yeah. has ace stuff. Tally Yon, before he got injured, was ERAs was in the three consistently. He's got great stuff, and if his ERAs in the three at any level this year, that's great for the Yankees. They don't need another two guy. Um, Kluber, if he's in the three two, Herman can legitimately be as much as look. What happened with him was was terrible. You know, I definitely don't condone that. And, um, you know, he he obviously is trying to, you know, make amends and do the best he can. But from a pure baseball perspective, he is he's got stuff to be an ace. Mm -hmm. Uh, Garcia is a young stud. He had a great spring training, even, you know, he was in the ERAs in the threes and he's pitched in the postseason already last year. They threw him in some big spots. Um, yeah. Wasn't like no runs, but he also didn't get shelled at all. And yeah. then you throw in Severino, who we already know has a stuff. There's just a lot of potential there. And it just is hard for me to believe that all five of those guys can really all be that bad. And there's not one or two of them that really rises to the top. And I think if that happens and you have those two to three guys that are legitimately studs, you know, maybe not top five, you know, like they're not all going to be the Groms, yeah. but if they're, you know, one B type of guys to go along with Cole, a couple of them are, then I think that's something the Yankees probably haven't had in a long time. You know, I, 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 I hope so, bro. You're absolutely right. You know, all those guys you mentioned and a couple of their younger prospects have top end talent, but I, I do think that, the loss of Tanaka is going to be potentially huge. I mean, he, he was so consistent, you know, over how many years was he pitching for the Yankees? 10? Love Tanaka. 
he is a Yankees fan. He is a he is a Yankee fan favorite forever. I mean, that guy was just a joy to watch. He was personable. Um, he was just he was consistent. He came up clutch in the playoffs. But again, we've also watched Tanaka get shelled too. So I don't think Tanaka is going to be any better or worse than any of these guys, in my opinion. Um, Unless there's some real issue with Kluber or an injury to one of those two guys, mm-hmm. even when Kluber's you know not at his best, he's still just as good as Tanaka. And Talion's a young mm-hmm. you know a young stud because mm-hmm. again Tanaka had really bad games too. But you know we're talking about stuff wise. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are definitely just as good. And as much as I would love Tanaka back. Getting those two guys, um, I think they had a bit more upside with Tanaka. Yeah, you're right. You know what you're going to get with Tanaka. Yeah. You needed a bit more. As much as I love Tanaka, you needed a bit more, and you need some higher upside guys. The one issue I have with both of those guys is that they are question marks. You would have liked to get more of a sure thing. Yeah. Um, That's there is no, you know, but that's not necessarily Tanaka either. You would like to have really get that really nice 1B to Garrett Cole's 1A. That doesn't mean they can't. There is trade deadlines and stuff, and the Yankees won't be shy. Um, they definitely have a lot of great young pitching prospects and prospects in general to make a trade. Um but I think at least, you know, for the first half of the season, it's more of evaluating what you're getting out of these guys. And then if you do need some more pitching help, you see what you can do at the trade day line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Owen, do you want to chime in here? Earl? No, I mean, I, I think Matt had all, on all the big points with the Yankees. It's one of those things where you can only control so much as far as, you know, being being prepared for the the slog that is 162 games. Uh, plus the postseason uh, and everything that comes with it, you know, yeah. we said the, we talked about the trade deadline, what they've done in the off season. And the th- the funny thing is, we're, we're talking about Corey Kluber specifically. I want I want to talk about him for a second. We're talking about a former Cy Young Award winner who's being thrown in as oh maybe he'll be good. I mean that's that's just one of the things in baseball that you never really know. It could be one or two injuries, or it could be you know one off season. It could be a change of scenery that gets someone who has a lot of talent and a lot of promise. The results maybe won't be there, but the talent is there. That can always be refined. That can be worked on. And that's something that, that you know, as the Yankees are kind of stockpiling arms to to support Garrett Cole in, in any way they can, they're, they're not doing so just for the hell of it. They're doing so because they know that there is a lot of potential in all of the guys they have in that rotation. And... Yeah. As soon as at least one of them comes good, it's going to start to snowball because, say, you have a, a three-game series. Cole goes out on Friday, throws, you know, seven strong, two hits, uh, you know, ten strikeouts, which is, you know, that seems normal for Garrett Cole these days. And then you back it up with what six six plus strong from Kluber, two two three runs. I mean, that's that right there is already putting you in amazing position to take two out of three, and then. Say you're in a division race and it's one or two games. Third day, oh, we have a number three starter no matter who it is. We already have the confidence of knowing we won games one and two, not having to use the bullpen. We have the whole bullpen if we need to. Lineups fresh, you know, you know, injuries notwithstanding. 
And it's just one of those things that it snowballs if one of them comes good. And that's going to yeah. be the thing to look at. Because, you know, we've seen teams go to three-man rotations in October. It's not out of the out of the ordinary. It's what the Rays did. Yeah. Pretty uh, much. I mean, they used an opener, but, I mean, yeah. you know, but... Uh, yeah, I mean that—that's the thing is that's what that, that's the main point with the Yankees because then we can talk about some more of the AL teams on the AL preview. But um, you know, it's um, it, it's all about their pitching, and it's all about staying healthy. You know, finally getting a nice, decent, you know, long years from Judge and Stanton would probably go a massive way. But you know, just hitting on a couple of those guys because. And I don't think that's unreasonable, too, just with the talent that they have. They have a lot of it. Um, and if you get two to three of those guys to be consistent, you know, in a way it's going to push the other guys to also be good. But if they're not good, I mean, we're not talking, you know, as long as they're not like six, five ERA type guys, as long as they give you yeah. some, like Jordan Montgomery, the lost guy I'm talking about here, because personally, Nothing special about Montgomery. He's just there. He's a solid fifth starter. <laughs> he goes out there, you know, he's going to have some games where he does well, but most games he's going to give up, you know, four runs, three, four runs. But with this Yankee offense, most of the time, that's fine. Do I want that in the postseason? Probably not. But, you know, that's your fifth starter. Nobody's going to be like, holy shit. You know, they're going to be like, wow, like that's so solid. And even that, you know, you got, you got a lot of depth on this team with Garcia, Severino coming back, Clark Schmidt. Like you have a ton Clark of Schmidt. options. Clark there. Schmidt's the name to watch. That's yeah. Right. I mean, you know, that's, that's my point is like, you have like eight guys, like seven guys mm. behind um, Garrett Cole and you just need two of them to pan out. Really? Mm. Exactly. And and the the comparison I, that just came to mind is actually the Dodgers, because look at what the Dodgers have put together over the last three, four, five seasons. So obviously we know about Kershaw, generational talent. That's fine. That's that's out the door. But then outside of Kershaw, who have they had? That's really consistently solid, who has, yeah. you know, who came up through the organization is a stud now or someone they went and splashed big money on them. I'm not talking about, I'm not counting Trevor Bauer at all, but before that, it was just Kershaw and it was a bunch of, it was a lot of journeyman pitchers, relievers, etc. I mean, who would have thought that Ross Stripling would be a starter. Brandon Morrow in 2017 was their de facto setup guy. I mean, we're talking about guys on one year deals, journeymen who have been from this place to that place. And all of a sudden they're in the biggest yeah. moments in October making a difference or you know trying to make a difference and that's something that as the yankees are trying to put together this team and i want to i have a couple things i want to i want to touch on before we move on to other teams it, it's it, it works it absolutely works when you have one side of the ball down that's that you know on the offensive side of the ball we talked about you know i was just talking about strikeouts that's it's a big deal but it's something that again with the trade deadline who's who's to say there's someone from team that's you know not necessarily going to contend this year but maybe in a couple years that they want to get some more prospects and keep building and they have you know they have good talent now i mean who's to say they can't kind of plug holes when they need to and you know those aren't massive holes to plug it's not like there's a, a glaring glaring weakness so that's you know it, it it works it absolutely works and you know that's the thing that i i will look out for for the yankees for sure this year uh, but Matt, I want to ask you if you had to put just give us one player for for folks who don't follow baseball all that 
closely or folks who may not be as familiar with some of the roster moves the Yankees have made over the last you know couple of seasons. So there's one player on the team we should watch out for this year. Who's that player? Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to go out with, you know, some obvious names, um, you know, like not a judge or a Stan or a Glaber Torres, but there is just one name that's kind of in that group that to me is like, you know, like it, it's, it, I, I'll, I'll try to give you two, a pitching and an offensive guy mm. personally. Um, for me on offense, the person that you need to watch out for, and by this I mean he is probably the most important thing this year to their success, which is weirdly enough, that's Gary Sanchez. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly who I had as well, and yeah. I wanted to get your perspective on that. So yeah, I mean that. Go for it. You know the talent Gary Sanchez has is off the charts. Nobody disagrees with that. He's got a cannon of an arm. He you know. He already threw out a runner today. I mean, he he threw out a runner, and offensively, his first couple of years in the league, he was by far the best offensive catcher, and it wasn't close. Uh, I understand he's had some defensive issues, but last year he was, regardless of how bad his year offensively was, he was much better at framing and defensively uh, being defensive. Um, but at the end of the day, when you're hitting 140, and then the year before that, 180, <sighs> You know, obviously, it makes sense that people were down on him and they wanted him to go. Some people, you know, they recognize his talent, but, you know, it comes to the point where two seasons, now you're starting to get really worried. So for me, I understand the impact and the talent he could have. And, um, you know, he's such a talented player. And he means a lot to the t- so much to the team, especially to the offense. They have a good offense without him. When he's rolling, um, you know, the offense is borderline unstoppable. And I think he's the guy, and especially since he right now is working with Garrett Cole. Last year, they had to go away from him. They had to, you know, make Kyle Higashioka Garrett Cole's personal yeah. catcher. Uh, and Higashioka was better not only defensively, but also offensively last year, even though he does not have, you know, and I'm not trying to be, you know, rude to Hikashioki here, but Gary Sanchez is much more talented than him. So I think for him, you know, for this team, Gary Sanchez might be their most important offensive player. For pitching, um, you know, I think Jonathan uh, Losiega or Losiaga. I, I still fumble that. Loisga. Loisga. Uh, yeah. Um, Personally, for me, I just I've watched this guy for the past couple of years, and when you watch him, he's got insane stuff. He's throwing ninety nine a hundred. People don't realize that the yeah. guy has a cannon. His breaking balls are also insane, but for some reason, he just is never very consistent. He always lets up runs, and I just don't get why. It might be the spin rate or the cut on his fastballs. Maybe it's not as good, even though it's fast. But he had an incredible spring, and with Zach Britton out. Uh, for at least the first month, month and a half, with uh, Justin Wilson or you know being hurt already, and even though he's probably only out a couple games to start the year, same with Chapman. You lost uh, Canley in free agency as well, and yeah, and Canley, although he's coming off an injury, the bullpen has a lot of depth that I love. I really do like the bullpen this year, especially when they have everybody healthy. Because Darren O'Day looked good today, Justin Wilson's solid. Obviously, you have Britton and Chapman. 
Um, and then you have guys like Nick Nelson, who's another guy to watch, a young guy who pumps like a 101. Um, that's a guy a lot of people are excited for. But I think in terms of a guy who really needs to step up this year, and some because he can be a dominant reliever. And I think for the Yankees, especially with their question marks surrounding their starting pitching, they could really use – you know, another dominant guy. And then you have Chad Green, obviously. So the bullpen's great. But they can use another dominant guy to really take the pressure off of an aging, you know, uh, Chapman, Britain, you know. Because if they even lose an ounce of what they have been doing the last couple of years, it's really going to hurt the team. So having that depth in the bullpen and having another, you know, big start, I think I think he's very important. Um more so than he he's ever been. And I think he has the talent to be a really, really good guy. Uh, and, and so he, he's the kind of guy on the pitching side that I would watch out for mm. that. I just yeah. think is the most important. Let's not say watch out for, if we're talking about like a no name guy, it's probably Nick Nelson. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely a, uh, a, a, a need at the back end of the bullpen, especially if, if Britain and Chapman, you know, lose a little bit, like you're saying, but from what it from what it sounds like, the the just raw stuff is there, and that's oh, a lot yeah. of times that's the hardest part. It's getting the stuff. It's honing in on command and getting guys comfortable, getting them that confidence. Um, Willie and I always talk. Well, I guess it's pro- primarily me, but Willie, I think, chimes in a little bit as well. We always talk about uh, psychology and confidence on, on the podcast, and that's one of the more important things in in getting teams to win a championship. And I think even if it doesn't happen this year, getting guys playoff experience and getting those reps in high stress situations under their belt is only going to help. You know, if you you put a guy in the playoffs, who's never, never pitched in the playoffs before he may not do that great, but one or two postseasons in, he may kind of get the feel for it and know what his body is like, how he reacts to stressful situations. And all of a sudden, you talk about confidence and confidence leads to guys being the you know top relievers in baseball. So yeah. it's just one of those things where stuff is always the hard part. Everything after that is just confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's, you know, Losiega and Nelson are two guys who, you know, probably have, you know, two of the better stuff on the Yankees. And a lot of the Yankees guys, Chad Green, you know, Zach Britton, Chapman, they have good stuff. Oh, yeah. but they have some insane stuff. Losiaga, I keep, I always botch his name, and Nick Nelson, and Nelson. Um, they need to get that. They need to get that confidence because they can really make this bullpen scary. And I think this yeah. year, just with injuries starting off, that's going to be huge. Um, specifically, you know, Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson, they've got the stuff, but they're more of finesse. You know, kind of giving you different looks, especially Darren O'Day, who looked great today. Um, but, you know, he's not going to overpower you, but he's just a smart, calculated guy with a weird delivery that's going to throw you off, especially when you're not used to it. And all of a sudden you got this guy coming out of the bullpen, similar to how the Rays do it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's. The Yankee pitching is going to be if, if the Yankees offense can stay relatively healthy for the first time in years, it's really, to me, going to come down to the Yankees pitching. And, you know, I think if this team, because, it, again, it this team is was really a lot of young guys. Mm-hmm. And so they haven't been able to get over that hump yet. The judge, yeah. the Stanton's, the Sanchez's, the Torres's. And, yeah, they're really young. So it's not like this is the end all be all a year. But I think if they can get into the World Series. Even just getting there, even if they lose, 
just knowing that you finally can get there, you know, we'll, you know, instead of these heartbreaking losses, we'll do a lot for the Yankees. So we'll see how it goes. But Yankees are definitely, you know, in the AL, the team to beat, in my opinion, regardless of today's loss. Yeah. Let me ask you real quick, Matt. Um, well, I got two two quick questions for you. Number one, give me your level of concern on a scale of one to ten. Speaking of the offense of these two players, ten being very concerned, one up being concerned. You see, you already mentioned uh, Gary Sanchez, but first one, uh, Aaron Hicks, thirty-one years old. I mean, he's injury very injury prone, but a very key to the team. Um, concern for you that he's going to age well and, and perform well? I don't have much concern with him. Is one not concerned at all, right? Yeah, one's not concerned. So I would say a two or a three because ah. he's not going to be under a big long con- long-term long contract here. And I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to, you know, there. this is not going to be a 34-year-old or 33-year-old so the Yankees are going to give like an eight-year, you know, well, con- million-dollar contract. Years. So it would take him three, um, three six, I believe. Yeah, maybe. I, I thought it was 35 or 36. But, you know, obviously a lot of his game is on being, you know, I mean, Willie, this isn't a guy who goes out there and smash. It's not his physical nature. I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, he wants to maintain that speed and being a high IQ outfielder. But one of the things about Aaron Hicks is his, you know, ability to see balls and strikes and get on. Yeah, he's a good eye. Mm-hmm. He never his OPS is always over, you know, OBP, I mean, um, is always over 400 or around there when he only hits like 230, consistently 240, because he just walks so much. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, being able to have a good eye and walking, that's something that I think ages pretty well in today's day and age. Um, so, yeah, that would be my opinion on okay. it. All right. No, that's, that's fair. All right. A second guy, and I'm guessing you're going to give a similar number, but I'm a little less, um, even though you know more about the Yankees than I do, I'm a little less high, but is uh, Gleyber Torres. He had it down here last year at the plate and the defense, and he was injured. And I do think that what we saw a couple seasons ago is very unrealistic to suspect. And to be honest with you, uh, there are different kinds of players, but in my opinion, I don't want to say it's a cautionary tale is not the right word, but a guy, I mean, he reminds me a lot of is, is Corey Seager in the sense that Corey Seager was a huge prospect for the Dodgers coming up, but Corey Seager battled injuries. And then when he played, he had a great rookie season. And then he, you know, he never quite, until this year, there was a few years in the middle where he was either out or he was just was not the same guy. And I, I just think that the talent is definitely there. But are we going to see high-level production on a consistent basis? You know, I don't know. That that's uh, I think that's something to monitor. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I would give. I, you know, I would probably give Glaber a one. <laughs> Um, and I have my reasonings for it. Okay. Um, I, I just think with Glaber, I mean, what is this, his third year? Yeah. His first two years were great. He only got better. Last year was uh, obviously a tough year for him, but 
are we really going to judge a young player based on a shortened pandemic season where everything's thrown out of whack and you don't really have time to adjust, especially when you got injured, then you came back, got injured. And, you know, he wasn't really injury prone his first couple of years. I think the thing I'm more worried about is not his offense. I think he has a generational bat. I think he's a good contactor. I think he's a good all around hitter. You know, I think he needs to be a little bit better with his eye and he's been working on that. Drawing more walks is probably the evolution of his game that he needs to do more so than anything else. His defense definitely worries me. Mm. Um, He he, he doesn't have the most range. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. A a lot of the most overrated player in baseball history Derek Jeter but I I, I, I mean I don't think Derek Jeter is overrated but I do kind of see some similarities between the two especially on defense Um, I I don't think Derek Jeter was an overrated hitter but I do think Derek Jeter was an uh, overrated defender Um, yeah that's just me personally but and I love Derek Jeter worst fielder statistically uh, yeah he was not a great fielder um, he just had a couple fl- big plays with his defense. And I guess that's really all that matters is that you play good defense when it matters the most. Um, Diving into the stands in a yeah. regular season game doesn't count. Yeah, and the flip yeah. at home, obviously the the uh, the ranging throw to his right and then throwing over the shoulder. Um, yeah, it's like the, those highlight reel kind of plays that, that stand out for, for yeah. Jeter more so than just consistently being really solid with the glove. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so Torres, I'm not necessarily too worried about. I think he's going to have a bounce back year this year. I think he's going to have a solid year. I'm not going to say he's going to have as good as his best year, but I think it will definitely be much better than last year. Mm. And I think it's with, I mean, look, I don't think, you know, especially with his defense, I don't think he's ever going to get to the point where he's an all around super, superstar. But I think he will be a star. Mm. I just, I think his defense will hold him back from being an all-around superstar. I think the the only player on the Yankees who is an all-around superstar, when he's healthy, obviously Garrett Cole not included, but position player, um, they have stars. Stanton's a star. Uh, Torres is a star. Then they have a LeMahieu is a star, uh, maybe a superstar, because, I mean, he can hit and play defense, so he's an all-around great guy. So maybe I guess LeMahieu. The Yankees have a great offense. But Aaron Judge, because his defense is phenomenal, his yeah. defense is amazing, a lot better than people realize. And when he's healthy, when he stays healthy for a season and can get into a groove can, and stay there, uh, that doesn't mean missing a game or two, but not having these long, long-term injuries consistently like he has been. He is an all-around superstar. Um, and I think people kind of doubted that, but look at, look at his numbers for a guy that's come in and out of the lineup the past couple of years. It's surprising how solid his offensive numbers are. You know, the, he never had a season where he was like hitting 230, 240 for a big guy who he strikes out. I mean, you know, his, his ability to, you know, he's just an, an all around superstar. He's got a great persona. The injuries are what, and the fact that he's came into the league a bit older, I won't really prevent him from really kind of, you know, having a, a legacy kind of that's historical and really making his stamp on the game. Um, but yeah. um, 
you know, he's personally to me the only real like true super superstar they have. But you know, a lot of a lot of solid players. I don't think I think Glaber can you know all star. He's already been an all star. I think that's where he is. He's an all star. I just don't think he's a super superstar. Okay. I don't think he'll ever get there. No, it's all all interesting. Um, okay, last question, Matt, for you, and we can move on unless Owen wants to ask something. Um, how? pissed off are you about the 2017 oh, no. and um and that period <laughs> you know willie it's it's tough i mean i'm not really going to get into it because it's frustrating to know that they cheated uh during the playoffs and you know that was the closest the yankees really got too um you know they brought it to a game seven i think that year right or was that the year they lost seven, the yeah uh, all nobody won a game mm-hmm. in the road. yeah they Everybody. just they they i know they kept losing in games you know and they keep losing in game sixes and sevens against the you know the red Sox and the astros and then the rays so i mean this team has you know basically been their season's basically been ended you know in game seven in like the alcs like three out of the last four years so it's been pretty rough um and to know that one of those years, it was because I'm not going to say directly because, because I'm not, you know, what do we like? We know a lot, but I'm, you know, we weren't there. We don't exactly know how much it actually impacted it, but it's, you know, it's frustrating. And I'm happy that the Astros are, you know, reaping what they sow. You know, mm. I mean, are they're, they? Not, they're not getting what they deserve. I, well, they, they lost Springer. They got their the Astros are not good. They're, but they're they, not, they no, they're know? they're getting it though. I was I was watching before we uh, before we hopped on. I was watching the the first couple innings of the uh, the game against Oakland, and they were they were serenaded by you can only imagine the loudest boos uh, in in you know a, a uh, yeah. limited capacity stadium plus the signage always on point with Oakland. Uh, they're gonna get it this year. They're gonna be. Um, they're gonna have that big target on the back again this season, just because mm-hmm. we haven't had fans in the stands, and now we do. Uh, oh, especially, yeah. especially. Then this is something I, I talked about with my roommate as well. Uh, they play the Dodgers in LA August third and fourth. So circle oh, that yeah. date. Right, circle that series right now. Two. They, I mean, they played the Dodgers in four games. I think two, two in Houston, and then two in LA. But August third and fourth. Circle those days because. Uh, you're gonna see some some yeah. <laughs> some stuff. We'll put it that way. Yeah, it, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, now that fans are back, it's gonna be pretty hectic. I mean, even with limited fans, it's gonna be crazy. And and, and Willie, I mean, you've already seen it taking a toll. I mean, Springer decided not to stay. Cole decided not to stay. You know, um, Verlander's like 85 and coming off a of, you know Tommy John. <laughs> Uh, so I, as much as, you know, Verlander has kind of bucked the trend so far, I just can't imagine that that continues. Um, so the, the team is definitely not what it, it's a shell of itself and, uh, it will carry that stigma for a long time. And I just, I think that it's going to have trouble at least for a bit, you know, kind of getting free agents if it wants to, um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's pitchers are all old. Um, you know, Altuve is also on the older side. So if you don't get free agents, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I think that, you know, to me, as pissed as I, off as I am, 
I think at this stage, I was more pissed off when it happened because they were a team that, you know, made it to the World Series that year. And, you know, uh, but now to me, they're irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, if there's anyone as well who has another right to be annoyed, it's the Dodgers especially. And I think it was, what, game five? When, um, yep. how many breaking balls did Kershaw throw in that game? Like 40-something, and they were zero swings and misses? I mean, that that to me, and and that's a, that's a, a stat that I bring up a lot, is because you can't realistically tell me that one of our generation's top pitchers will just all of a sudden forget how to throw his breaking balls and have not have the swing and miss stuff that we know him for. It's, there's just no way in hell that's possible. And so it becomes a, it becomes a case where the Yankees have a legitimate claim. The Dodgers have a legitimate claim and everything the Astros get from now until probably, you know, the next couple decades is very much deserved. Yeah, it is. And look, I mean, I, I'm try. I try to be a nice person and to see, you know, the different sides. Whereas, like, you know, maybe other teams have been doing this. They just didn't get caught. But I don't know. As like, you know, when you see how, like, if a team cheated one time in a regular meaningless game, it's a different story than doing mm-hmm. it for years and years and years, and then also doing it in the World Series and the playoffs when the games really matter the most, because then it's like, okay, it's not about talent anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they are still talented guys, but how do we even know how talented they are at this stage? Um, So, I mean, the Astros are a team, you know, now we can kind of get into the actual AL by using the Astros. Um, But they're a team to me who a lot of people have picked to win their division. I don't... My one, you know, my one hold is I obviously hope they don't, but I also don't know who beats them. I, you know, I think you have the A's and the Angels yeah. up there with them. Everybody else in that division stinks. Um, but I hope they don't make it, and I hope if they do make it, they lose in the wild card game. Um, but to me, they're not a, they're not a contender. And they're not somebody I worry about as like the Yankees' toughest matchup or opponent. That's the White Sox, um, uh. the Blue Jays, and even the Rays. Because even mm. though the Rays lost Snell, there's nobody who retools pitching like the Rays. When you don't realize yep. it, they'll have like their third pitcher who you won't know will literally be a megastar. So. Sure. I hate to say it, Matt, but like I disagree with you. I, I think that as much as I hate to say it, I mean I think the Yankees are clear cut favorites in the American League, but I think I still think the Dodgers are the second best team. I mean, even with you know, even with the Verlander situation, you know, they You mean the Astros. The Astros, yeah. you mean. Yeah, Astros. Yeah, oh sorry, even with the Yankees being the favorite, I think the Astros are the second best mm. team in, in the in the AL. Mm. I mean you know, they're going to get Jordan Alvarez back in offense. That's going to be huge. He didn't play last year. And then, you know, in the pitching staff, they had, to, you know, Jose Uchidi is is getting old. You know, he's a really good, young, talented player. Um, Christian Javier was a rookie last year. He was pretty impressive. Um, so I think them along – also, uh, Framber Valdez was pretty good for them last year too. Mm. Uh so along with if you can get something good out of Zach Greinke, 
And, you know, their bullpen, I think, is a little bit of a question mark, but they had a couple guys last year uh, that emerged and, and pitched pretty well. And so, and then, you know, I think their offense is going to be fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think Bregman really struggled last year. I think in a full season he'll be better. Guriel really struggled. So I think that they'll bounce back and, you know, Oakland, as much as I like them, uh, they lost like half their bullpen. <laughs> they got decimated and they lost Simeon. So, um, you know, they, I, I think that the Astros are, I mean, I want, I don't want, I don't want to rule out. I don't want to, I think they're right now. I would still slightly put them number two over maybe the White Sox or some combination of maybe Tampa or Oakland. Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, I'd I'd throw in Toronto as well. Oh, Toronto, I mean, I, yes, they have. It's a lot of young talent. And it's kind of throwing a lot of pieces together. But this, mm-hmm. you you can't ignore. I mean, yes, the Astros have experienced guys on that team, but you can't ignore. You can't ignore the effect of George Springer going to Toronto and mm-hmm. Toronto just having those that new core four, those four young guys all sons of former major leaguers who are going to be stars and are already stars. I mean, the during the um the ESPN broadcast of the uh the 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 game today, the Blue Jays and Yankees games, they were talking about how Bo Bichette's played what 70 something games as a big leaguer and it's his team already. I mean, they're they're saying that that's not something that just kind of happens overnight. That's kind of that's that's a quality you can't really teach. And when you have that coupled with some of the most prodigious offensive talent we've seen in a while, uh, all on the same team. It's there's, there's just there's something, something special that is. I mean, Toronto and San Diego, I think, are the two that people are going to be keeping a very close eye on this season, uh, and for very good reason. San Diego, for sure. Um, I wouldn't put Toronto in that San Diego level yet. I don't think. Their young talent aren't necessarily at the Tatis and Machado level yet, but they're 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 you know they're younger and so yeah, well, not necessarily than Tatis, but than Machado obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean Toronto to me is the Yankees' biggest challenger in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, Tampa Bay obviously lost the you know they lost some key Jose Alvarado they lost they obviously nobody retools bullpens like the Rays, but. They lost some key pieces. They lost some key pitchers. Um, they even lost an offensive piece or two, although that, you know, none of those guys are really special, um, you know. So, I mean, to me, to Toronto, it's all about their pitching. If they can get some quality pitching uh, outside of, you know, Ryu, uh, then – yeah, you know that's a team that could even compete with the Yankees and give them a run for for top dog in the division. Um, you know that that's my two cents. I mean, you saw in the games today. Obviously, they beat the Yankees. I don't think you're gonna you know get many games where the Yankees go 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. Mm. You know, typically the Yankees won't do that. So I think um, you know if if, if, if Toronto is not going to win many games like if if they only score two runs against the Yankees. Um, but you know, again, I think pitching aside, they're a very good team and bullpen aside. I mean, pitching, that's, that's the only question mark with Toronto. If you combine Toronto with the Rays, you have a super team that's unstoppable. Um, but, uh, 
you know, they're definitely there. White Sox have a ton of talent. They're they're loaded um, with talent. I I think they're more like San Diego than uh, Toronto is. Um, yeah, I agree. Because they have better pitching, and yeah. they're kind of getting that treatment more than the Blue Jays. Because hmm. uh, the Padres are getting that, that treatment. Um, but I think the AL, it, it's... I'm not saying the Yankees are going to run away with it. I'm just saying they are the the rightful favorites. Mm. And if they don't win it, it's probably worse, a worse look this season than it's been the last few seasons because they had more, at least higher level competition the last couple of years, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the Astros and Red Sox were very good. Last year, the Rays were clearly the best team in the American League. Um, their pitching was some of the best I've ever seen in timely mm. offense. Unreal. Uh, yeah. And this year, though, it's like I don't see the Rays being as strong. So it's like, did the Blue Jays do enough? Did the Astros know Oakland didn't get better? They kind of got a little bit worse, but the same. The Angels... I would love for them to get back into the playoffs so we can see Mike Trout and they're offensively a solid team, but obviously their pitching is maybe the worst I've ever seen in my life because it's pretty <laughs> hard to literally consistently lose when you have that solid of an offense and you have Mike yeah. Trout. So the fact that they haven't been able to get like one or two quality pitchers over the last like eight years is beyond remarkable for an LA team. For um, sure. It's it's sad in a way, honestly. But um, so the AOs, you know, it, it's just um, it's an interesting thing. It's it's just not going to be, in my opinion, as competitive as the NL. The NL is definitely the more talented league this year, and mm. um, that's that's definitely. I don't think that's really up for debate. I think that's very obvious that the NL is the more talented yeah. league. Sure. Mm. Yeah, I think Owen. I, I mean, I think Matt. I, I, you know, and you chime in here. I, I think you, you, you hit it right on the head. When I personally think as well that Chicago is definitely more of a threat um, than Toronto. I mean, as good as Toronto is an offense, and my gosh, like they're loaded. And I mean, Teoscar Hernandez. I, that that guy. I mean, in addition to all the other guys, everyone talks about the Bichettes and the you know Guerreros and all that, but you know, Teoscar Hernandez is stud. Um, I, I think that, you know, like you said, you know, they have a lot to be desired in the rotation and the bullpen, whereas Chicago, they got Lance Lynn now. So they have three, like, solid pitchers in Lynn, uh, Keiko, and Giolito. And then they, they do have a couple of really good, like, firepower pitchers in the bullpen with gas. So I, I, would per- I personally think that, you know, I, who knows? Like, if you're going to count on, you know, Robbie Ray, they also have um, they have a good prospect. I think Pearson is his name. He's going to start in mm-hmm. NLB. But, you know, Tanner, I don't know. I just don't think the Blue Jays have enough in the pitching department to really seriously maybe make a run at the playoffs, sure, but not contend. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Uh, the one team we didn't mention um, that we obviously is also a big player in this. Uh, so it's, you know, uh, we shouldn't overlook them as Minnesota. 
Mm. Uh, They're defending champs in the central. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, offensively, they're a really good team and I think it's important not to overlook them. I mean, yeah, they have. They got Josh Donaldson this off season to go. You know, Snow, Kepler, Buxton, Garver. Uh, they got Andralton Simmons. Um, yeah. You know, Luis Arez. Uh, I mean, that team offensively is. They're a really good team. Um, similar to everybody else, though, their pitching is going to be the biggest question mark. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm also it's funny I'm looking at this box score from today and the twins lost six to five while only giving up one earned run <laughs> yeah rough rough day for the twins today they just the fact they got walked off on opening day um and and where they were for most of that game yeah it's uh I mean, Buxton, Buxton almost hit one out of the stadium. I mean, that talk about a tape measure shot. Jesus. Look, if Buxton can play up to his ability, off, like if he can hit better, we know his defense is, you know, maybe the best in baseball. I mean, the guy's a freak. Um, but if he can, if he can, you know, start hitting this team's, you know, scary, but it's already scary. And I think they're a deep tease, uh, team, too. I mean, look, you had Nelson Cruz not even playing today because they were playing the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, so that's, you know, a guy who's hit like 40 home runs the last few years outside of last year. And I know he's older, but the guy just doesn't seem to age. So this offense is, it's really a good offense. And it's um, it has some depth. And I think they're pitching, you know, like it's always been, will determine how they do. Um, but that's definitely another, mm-hmm. you know, team to look at. They have J.A. Happ now as their fourth starter, Matt Shoemaker as their fifth. They have Jose Barrios. I don't know what happened to Jose Barrios. The last two years, he has been a shell of himself. I thought he was going to be a stud. They have Michael Pineda, you know, a lot of former Yankees there. Uh, so they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're pitching is definitely not anything to be happy with. But um, the AL, you know, the AL is going to be interesting this year. I just think that, and this is not even me being a Yankee fan, I just think the Yankees clearly have the most talent of all the teams. So mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they, that doesn't mean they, they will win it. But I think it's, if they don't this year, it's, uh, it's a little bit, you know, worse than the last few years. Yeah. Um, so, no, what I'm saying is, um, no disagreement for me whatsoever. I think the Yankees are, are clear favorites, and that's not, you know, it, it's not because everyone else got worse per se. It's just because the, that of of the teams that we've seen be in the in the conversation for best in the American League of the last two, three, four seasons, Boston's not good. Houston's not what they used to be, and the Yankees are the only ones left. So it's it's you have to think it's them. But Chicago, Toronto, Minnesota. And I mean, hell, even even Oakland as well. I mean, Oakland is they they won the division last year. I mean, yes, it's a shortened season, but they won the division last year. We can't can't just overlook and and them not having Matt Chapman last year. I think keeping an eye on both Matt uh, Chapman and Matt Olson for the A's is going to be the big deal. They I think they they go as far as those two, um, and especially with with Chapman's defense at third base. I mean, we talked about this in the last the uh, NL preview. 
uh, Arenado and Matt Chapman being the two premier defensive third basemen in baseball. I don't think there's a lot of disputing that. Um, but what I wanted to what I want to throw out there was Willie. I know you you gave your take. I think this was what January 14th uh, when we did. I think it was like our first podcast of the year. Uh, you said the Atlanta Braves are going to win the World Series, and I. Last I checked, you're sticking to that take, which is a really ballsy take. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's a ballsy take because as good as they are, you have to factor in the whole they play in in the state of Georgia, and that does not bode well for any team when it comes down to you know winning championships. Um, who are they going to play though? Who are they, who's who's the American League going to be? Is it are they going to play the Yankees in the World Series? Yeah, I, I think Braves over Yankees in the World Series. Um, I'll pick them to make this year. I just won't pick the Yankees. <laughs> That's a ballsy uh, take. Yeah. What was that? Ninety. When did they play the the Yankees in the World Series? Ninety. No, ninety-five. I think. No, no, they won in ninety-five. Uh, oh, okay. Beat Cleveland ninety-five. I think it was ninety. Yeah. I want to say ninety ninety-six or ninety-eight. I think it was ninety-eight. I think it was ninety-eight uh, too. Not yeah, sure. ninety-eight sounds right. Because they, I mean, last year when they went to the the NLCS, I was like, this is the biggest game that the Braves have played in in my lifetime, like since I've been a fan. And that's, you know, right. 2000, 2001. Right. So. It, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I don't I don't dislike that pick at all. I think the Braves are going to be really good. I think there's, a you know, clear top three teams in the NL. Um, but some really close second teams with the Mets uh, right there, as well as, you know, Aaron Arno, uh, Arenado joining the Cardinals. I think they're going to be better than people think. Because um, I think, you know, offensively, they've always had solid pitching. Um, so I mean, it's just for me, I it's tough to make even a pick. I mean, I, the AL, I think it's going to be the. That would be my pick for the AL. You know, I think just with what I've been saying, I just got to go with them. For the NL, it's like you don't want to pick chalk and go Dodgers, Yankees, um, or Padres, Yankees. I just, and let me be clear, I think whoever wins the NL is winning the World Series. Okay. So, Yankees are going to win. I don't think so. I think those three teams that you just, you know, that I just named are better than the Yankees. And even the Mets are very close to that. I think offensively, you know, their pitching's really stacked. I mean, that's a good Mets team. I just don't know how the Dodgers lose. I just don't. Mm-mm. I just can't see it. They're just so good. They're just yeah. so fucking good. I, right. mean, I mean, they I, have everything. Like, they have almost a picture-perfect roster. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I mean, see a hole. No, I mean, and, and we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, I think, or maybe even even before that. Uh, I think it was even before the preview when it was when the, the Bauer deal was announced. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> it's one of those things where they, they went from world champions to having an embarrassment of riches in their rotation alone. That doesn't even count the rest of the team. That doesn't count a perennial uh, MVP candidate, Mookie Betts. That doesn't yeah. count Cody Bellinger. That doesn't count Corey Seager. That doesn't count any of the guys that play in the outfield or you know their, their non-pitchers. They have four guys 
who conceivably in their career will all have won Cy Youngs by the time it's done. Uh, Kershaw, Price already won Cy Youngs. Well, actually, no, three of four have already won Cy Youngs. That's right, because uh, Bauer won last year. But Bauer's probably going to win another one. Bueller is almost for sure going to win a Cy Young in his career. So one through four already is four Cy Young caliber pitchers. All, right there, off, right off the bat. I don't even. Think, How do you beat that? I, I don't even think. I don't think Price made the rotation. Yeah, so it's one of those things. It's like, I'm how not, do you? I'm pretty sure he did not make the rotation. Well, one, but just one to go on with that, think... just the fact that he's around the club. Yeah, Dustin May, not David Price, grabs fifth starter role as Los Angeles uh, for Los Angeles. See, that's incredible. Although that's silly. <laughs> one thing, uh, one thing I do want to mention, which I think is honestly, and you heard it here first. And I'm sure people are kind of talking about it in the writers and stuff. But I think one of the biggest storylines you're going to hear in the MLB is, you know, what's up with Clayton Kershaw? What's the deal? Because he really, really struggled badly in spring training. And today I know they played at course Field, but bad start. So, you know, you're going to monitor dips in velocity and, and his command. But, I mean... Yes, in a way that's great. You have such great depth, and you got at the rotation. You got Bauer, but I think that what you're seeing from Clayton Kershaw right now is super alarming. Like very, very alarming. If you're if you're a Dodgers fan, yeah, I will say one thing about the Dodgers. Their offense is obviously good, and ba- uh, you know Bueller and Bauer are great. If I'm a good offense like the Yankees, I'm not necessarily scared of Kershaw. And I'm not necessarily scared of David Price either, which is why I think, obviously, I'm not scared of David Price as a Yankee fan. Let me just be clear about that. (laughs) I'm definitely not scared of him. Um, Those older guys with, you know, not that great velocity and, you know, I'm not necessarily scared of them. I am scared of the other two. So that would be, you know, I'm, I'm up there with you, Willie, is I am a little concerned about that. You know, obviously they have two studs and Kershaw, you can consider a third stud. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you. I will say there is definitely some question marks and I actually think it was important that they got Bauer me too. Uh, because, you know, outside of, you know, Walker Bueller, I think there's a lot of question marks in that rotations. Um, Although, you know, Dustin May and Trevor Gonsolin, I don't even know how to say his name. They have incredible stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think the NL is, is the, you know, I think it's the more talented talented league. And I think, it'll you know, whoever comes out of the AL, with my pick being the Yankees, will win. I think it'll be the Dodgers. Mm. I could also see it very easily being the Padres. I think they're you know, far and away the top two talented teams just because overall they have incredible pitching at every level and depth. But um, I think it's the, I think it's the NLS league uh, world series again this year. Um, but that is just me. Yeah, no, I, I think both Willie and I would be pretty hard pressed to, to dispute you on that. Uh, the, the American league is much more wide open outside of, you know, outside of the Yankees. Uh, as far as like who who's gonna be who's gonna be there, you know when when the clock hits when the you know calendar turns to October. Uh, Matt, I know it's really late on the East Coast, so I want to uh, let you go. But before we do that, uh, really quickly, uh, you got a hot take for us. We uh, it's a tradition on the show. We got to ask you what your hot take is. 
Yeah. Uh, you can get multiple too. If you got multiple, you can get multiple. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to pick my lane. You know what sport I want to kind of yeah. dabble in. Um, hot take for baseball. Um, Gary Sanchez is a top three, if not, you know, wins uh, the AL MVP. Um, <laughs> top three. Take. I don't know if hot, top three is considered a, a hot take. No, that's definitely considering how how he played last season and and the couple seasons before that. that I, yeah, I'd say it's a pretty hot take because I mean because they they really should rename the MVP award in the AL uh, best player not named Mike Trout. Yeah, because it, it's much. his. If he plays anywhere near what his potential is, he's an MVP. Is yeah. it, it's not even a question. Yeah, so 100%. But yeah, top uh, top three is I think is is a pretty big shout for that. Top, top three MVP candidate Gary Sanchez. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm not necessarily feeling it, but today was a great start, and he, he can do it. That's the thing is he can do it. Um, but uh, it's a little bit of a hope, hope, you know, wishful thinking. But uh, yeah, that's that's definitely a big one. And uh, my second one, I want to do an NBA hot take. Sure, go for it. The Denver Nuggets win the West. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's impossible at all. I mean, yeah, I haven't followed this as closely this year, but I just love the way they're playing, and I think the Garrett uh, trade was great. Um, the one, the one missing piece I think for Denver is that backup point guard because I know everybody has you know Campazzo mania, but uh, he's definitely not it. Um, for them, but that's a talented team, and Jokic is, uh, you know, being a Nets fan, you know, I'm not going to be Homer and say James Harden's the MVP, although he is playing like it. In my opinion, Jokic should be the MVP. Um, I think Harden should be but... right right now. Uh, Harden's good, don't get me wrong, but I think eventually at the end of the year, Jokic will deserve it more. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, that's that's just that's my hot takes uh, for yeah. you guys. But it was. Uh, it was a pleasure being on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Almost 1 a.m. my time here, East Coast. So Yeah, Matt, we'll let you go get some sleep. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really yeah. appreciate the time. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Uh, have a great rest How of the season. How many wins do the Yankees get? How many what? How many wins do the Yankees get in the regular season? 93. All right, we'll see if that happens. All right. I'm hoping. 93 right, wins. Yeah, they get exactly 93. I'll be, uh, hopefully I'll be on a, again. At some point soon. Yeah, yeah sure. definitely. For sure. All right. A big thank you to uh, our special guest, Matt Ryle, for joining us here on Hot Takes Only, our American League preview, episode 36. Uh, Willie, we are not quite done yet, are we? No. No, we're not. So, we, we've talked about a lot of potential in the American League for, for things to go either way. I mean, we've, we've talked about you know, we've talked about the Rays a little bit, the Yankees. I mean, obviously the first hour of the show is focused on the Yankees. Um, and again, thank you to Matt for joining us. Uh, the Blue Jays, the White Sox. I mean, there's a lot of potential for this to go a lot of ways. The A's and the Astros as well out mm-hmm. uh, West. But I, I want to get your thoughts on a couple different different teams and different uh, things to watch, Willie. So yeah. I'll throw a couple at you right now. So the first one, the first one is... The Cleveland Indians. Oh, and yeah. not just because you're obviously a big fan, 
but what what is life like and i'll get to that one in a second but what is life like post lindor i mean it yeah. this has probably been the most before it happened anyways it was the most dis, most frequently discussed deal that didn't materialize until a couple weeks ago is him getting traded anywhere and now that he's gone the franchise can kind of reset a little bit and go okay that was that was behind us you know he's a generational talent he's a great player but we still feel like we can put together a good ball club what are your just general thoughts as to what cleveland needs to do to get back to where they were in 2016 which was you know within a couple outs of winning the world series yeah uh so first of all i just want to say um it's humiliating uh, to see Lindor sign a contract, um, you know, massive contract. Um, it's really sad to see what could have been and to just know our, our, our window is closed. As a fan, it makes me sad because, like I said, you know, I think back to that 3-1 lead we have and, and, you know, I just think that, you know, going forward, the – I reflect on what has been because like I said in the past, I think the window is closed. And I just think that the Indians have always been a great organization. They've constantly been able to retool and they've still got a very competent pitching staff, despite losing a couple key pieces there with, with Carrasco and Breadhead. But it's just their offense has always been a problem and their offense is so depleted. I mean, they've got, nothing outside of Jose Ramirez. And so uh, that's proven. Uh, and, you know, um, and particularly in the outfield, they, they just, they, they need some, they law, they, they just, you know, decide to move on from some guys in the outfield. They just weren't working. And so I think from an Indian's perspective, it's um, sad, but it's just, you know, they have too many deficiencies they need to address. And unless, you know, the Indians can, you know, pump in some good prospects on the offensive side of things. I, I mean, could they make the playoffs? I'm never going to rule it out, but I can't see them being the contender, you know, anytime soon. Yeah. And, and you and I talked about this when the trade happened as well. I think you, you talked about uh, Cleveland not winning a title in a while, uh, the Indians yeah. specifically. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where baseball, especially, uh, because there's so much parody these days, but just in general, there's so many ebbs and flows in every single sports. I mean, teams have their ups and downs. You're talking about, you know, the the team that had the ra- that has the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner, and um, yeah. it, whenever you have that, uh, and you're able to consistently develop young players and have prospects and and have them turn into, you know, unfortunately maybe not the Lindors of the world, but still very good prospects then it gives you an opportunity to do something really special uh and and by that i mean just to stay relevant very consistently it's a very hard thing to do i mean we were talking about the yankees being relevant you know always being relevant basically maybe not winning any championships but being consistently good and having you know 85 86 wins being a bad season uh you know it's one of those things where i get your lack of optimism. I think I, I felt the same way about the Braves after they blew it up in 20, after 2014, uh, they traded basically everyone except for Freddie Freeman away. And, um, you know, now thankfully they're, they're back to, 
to being the the class of the National League again, but it's just it it sucks. But there's always a a change. It, it it'll come eventually, and I, uh, I it's a tough pill to swallow for sure. I'm not gonna dispute that. Yeah, I mean, look, I appreciate that. Uh, I really do, um, and you know, I hope so. It's just, you know, you look around, you know, you look around the team, and you say, uh, well, wh- you know, where am I going to get any hitting from? And that's granted, Jose Ramirez stays healthy. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, with Santana gone, you know, you, you look at a guy like, you know, Cesar Hernandez, Josh Naylor has been pretty good at times, but I mean, other than that, I mean, you know, they cut three guys loose in their outfield, like I said, because they had nothing. Um, You know, you got a couple guys from the Mets, you know, came over, Gimenez and Rosario, who are, you know, they're okay players. Nothing too great, you know, offensively. Um, You know, and, you know, you got, they also have a really good prospect um, coming up at third base. So I'm hoping that maybe, you know, he can fill in. Uh, I mean, I know they have Jose Ramirez at third right now. But, yeah, it's just, you know, catcher, they need more offense. It's just, yeah, it's it's a – I hope so, man. And you're right. Look, the Indians can stay relevant. They, 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 they've always done a very good job of staying relevant. But, you know, even their great teams, you just never felt – I mean, you knew it was like they had such a thin margin for error. When they had their chance, they better take it. So – yeah, I'm not very optimistic about the future here, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm not going to rule them out for fighting for a wild card spot. And if you can get in the playoffs, you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that because it's it's one thing to be consistently good, and it's another to win a championship. And those two don't necessarily always go yeah. hand in hand. I mean, you think of the Red Sox since 2004. Um, how many times they've finished last place in their division and how many times they've won the World Series. And those numbers are very, they're, they're very close together. And that's just one of the things that it, it just, it can happen. And so when you, when you have that consistency, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the World Series. It'll, yes, increase your chances. I mean, we, we, the, the analogy I'd make is it's, it's like playing possession in, in soccer, in football. It's like playing possession football. You have a greater chance to create uh, greater opportunities to create chances and score goals. That doesn't mean you're going to win games. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're going to win trophies. It's just it, it increases your odds. So it's one of those things where you know it can there can be a flash in the pan. You can win a championship, but what do you really value? Do you value consistency or do you value a championship? And I think this is where you and I differ. I think I would value a championship more for Atlanta specifically rather than consistency because you know because I had consistency I, with the Braves uh, as a fan growing up in the early 2000s. Because they won the division every single year for 14 years. And and when that's taken away and there's no championship, it becomes a very dull period. And now we're kind of back into this. Okay, they've won the division three years in a row. But, you know, 2018 coming up short against the Dodgers. 2019 choking against the Cardinals. 2020 choking against the Dodgers. Uh, you know, what's next for 2021? Another choke job? Or do they get it done this time? I don't know. Or could we go another 20 years of winning division titles and still not win a World Series? It, it's just one of those things where you just, you have no idea. And that's what makes these preview podcasts. That's what makes just looking ahead to the next 161, because obviously today's opening day. 
the next 161 games for every team. Yeah, I would I would say that the the only reason I like the consistency on is is um, look as much as I like baseball and you know I'll I'll put on any game right. Um, with the rare exceptions, you know, you think about the Nationals a couple of years ago, who were just—I mean, they were might—they might have been the worst team through 40 games, and then all of a sudden they just got hot and you know got in the playoffs, <laughs> in the wild card game, won and won the World Series. Um, look, baseball is a long—it's a 162-game season, and it's miserable when you're bad. I mean, you got 162 games and if you're out of it after 50 games, it's like, man, it's a slog. Yeah. It's not only to mention that, but I mean, I, I think that while I can see how great it'd be to win a championship, I mean, there are just teams where it's just like, it stinks to be like miserable and stink for a while. I mean, a good example I can think of is um, the Detroit Tigers. Mm. So, like, the Detroit Tigers had some really good teams, you know. Uh, and then they, they collapsed, and the last five, six years, they've been terrible. I mean, awful. And so, you know, I, I suppose if you want to win a championship, that would be everything. But then if you go without a plan for just, you know, five, six years, just, or more, it's, it's brutal. Look like the Royals. Like, do you, do you mm, think, they, right. think it's fun to be Royals fan? They got their world series, but every other, I mean, that was literally the only year where they were, they've been good our whole lifetime. Like, I don't think there's one other year. So, you know, it, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough one, right? Yeah, it's it's one of those grass is always greener type situations, and I guess the it it becomes, you know, what you prefer in that sense when when you root for a team in in a sport like baseball that where they play so many games, it becomes a question of what do you value more, and is the grass always greener on the other side? Is it better to win a championship and be bad for twenty years, or is it better to be good for twenty years and never win a championship? You know, it it, it just it's a grass is always greener type scenario, but you know. I think it's it's a little premature to to be down on the Indians like that, but I I do get it. I get the 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 feeling of just like there's there's no way in hell we're ever going to do anything. Um, yeah. But you know that's that's the nature of being a sports fan. It really is. Sure. Absolutely. The other the other thing I wanted to get your your two cents on was a team we talked about also briefly uh, was the Angels. Mm. For for whatever reason. I think this year with the Angels is potentially the most exciting year they've had since Mike Trout came up. Because you think about the circumstances surrounding the Angels, you think this is okay, this is Joe Madden's first full season in charge. You think Otani's healthy on both sides of the ball. That's exciting. Pujols is probably his last year. Uh, you know, nothing's confirmed, obviously, but he's towards the end of his career. Uh, you know, they may not be the, a good team as far as, you know, being in contention for a wild card spot or winning the division, but it could be fun. It could be a lot of fun to be an Angels fan this year. You know, you watch watch Otani, you know, have three homers in a game and strike out ten. And that that's entertaining to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, um, look, the Angels are going to be a fun team to watch. There's no doubt about it, I guess. You, 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 uh, like Matt said, um, obviously it's tough to see, you know, to predict 
how things will play out, but you really got to look at their rotation. I mean, they, they have really struggled there. Um, they need something from their rotation. They have one mm. of the worst rotations in the MLB. Yep. But yeah, I mean, offensively, they're going to be really fun to watch. And Hey, I mean, whenever Otani pitches too, I mean, it's going to be yeah. exciting. Right? I mean, that's, that's all the more reason to want to tune into a game. Um, you know, unfortunately with the, the blackout restrictions, we, I don't know if we'll be able to, maybe we will, who knows? Um, I, I just know that's not the case with the Dodgers and that, that still irks me oh, as, as someone oh, who lives oh, in LA. There, I got to tell you, man, their um, their offense is going to be fun. Like they got Iglesias now from um, uh, Baltimore. Yep. Just you got Fletcher, you got Trout, you got Rendon. Um, you know you got Justin Upton, whatever he he still got. He got Joe Adele, like the young player. Yep. You know, um, I mean, obviously these, you know, um, these preview podcasts are tough, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reason to be excited for for sure. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, just general question marks. <laughs> there are a lot of question marks with the angels specifically, uh, yeah. as far as like what you're going to get. But, you know, I think, I think we have, there's an opportunity for, uh, for some exciting stuff at the very least. And that'll, you know, who knows, maybe that'll lead to something, we'll something we'll sustainable see. for the next few years. Dylan Bundy's your open day starter. You got yeah, then, then you probably have an issue with your rotation. Um, I yeah, like like Matt was saying, I, I can't remember them having a rotation this bad in in my <laughs> lifetime. Um, another little thing I want to do because we we kind of touched on most teams. Um, we haven't really talked about the Rangers or the Orioles or uh, the Mariners a whole lot. Um, okay. And and that's no disrespect to the Mariners. I think Kyle Lewis is is certainly someone to watch this year. Uh, he's um, good. Really, good. I know, I know. I think he's hurt right now, actually. Um, yeah, he's he's starting the year on the on the injured list. He has a bone bruise in his knee, um, so that's you know that's a bit of a downer for for Seattle. But I think he's exciting to watch this year when you have the reigning rookie of the year. There's there's reason to be somewhat optimistic about at least you know his plate appearances and and you know building a team around him. I think. The, there's a lot of hype around Justice Sheffield as well. Um, Big Maple coming back to uh, to Seattle, I think, is huge. Um, just as far as 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 you know, starting to build something towards the future. And if you build around Justice Sheffield, Kyle Lewis, um, and you know, you could potentially have something in a few years. And I know that's that's not what Mariners fans want to hear, but you know, it. It's it's what it is right now. I'm not trying to create a false narrative to uh, yeah. disparage any team specifically. Yeah, I, no, I would agree with you. I think, um, I think that you know the the Mariners are a team that you hope something, right? I mean, um, you know, you met Sheffield, Marco Gonzalez, pretty good mm-hmm. pitch too. Um, yeah, I mean, they're you know they're a team that seems to have uh, some talented players never seems to put together a, a good roster at the same time <laughs> but yeah um, yeah i mean that, that would, i would love to see them be good again you know what i mean yes i'd love to see them be good again absolutely um, i would really love to see them I, I, there's some players i like like i like jp crawford he's mm. like he's a good player i mean kyle seager has been pretty good for a while now <laughs> Corey's brother yeah, Corey's 
They need to. Do, I was talking to my roommate the other day, who's a big Mariners fan. Uh, he's from yeah. Seattle. They need to do a, uh, another goof like that during Players Weekend, where one of the brothers gets to say their 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 uh, first name in their jersey, and the other has to say, "I'm I'm his brother." Um, I honestly, because it you know World Series MVP Corey Seager, I think he he has the right to to pull that card this year. Okay. But even so, it'd be funny if if they had Players Weekend again and Corey Seager puts Kyle's brother on the back of his jersey, and then oh Kyle puts Corey's brother on the back of his jersey. I so funny, I think things like that are just they're they're what make baseball fun is because you have players are able to actually express themselves, and I wish baseball had more of that, and I wish. Rob Manfred would let Trevor Bauer be Trevor Bauer and not try to censor Trevor Bauer. I mean, that's it's like that's a reason people are turning away from baseball is because you're not a, like you're whining about how there's no marketable players. Meanwhile, you're not giving players any license to market themselves. It, it's it's weird. It's we can talk a, a whole we can spend a whole podcast talking about uh, baseball and the appeal and players marketing themselves and and whatnot, but. We're still previewing the the American League. Um, we've run through a lot of the teams, Willie, but I, I want to get your two cents on this because it kind of goes hand in hand with with um, you know the the you know the teams that no one's really thinking about right now, uh, the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers. Those two teams have players who are known for uh, two things: one of which is home runs, the other is strikeouts. So I want to ask you a question, Willie: between these two players, who strikes out more and who hits more home runs? Chris okay. Davis, that's Chris with a C, uh, of of the Orioles, and Joey Gallo, of the Rangers. Who strikes out more? Who hits more home runs? It could be one could have both. Very, very well. Never know. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I think it's both is gonna be Joey Gallo. <laughs> so much pop, dude. Like he's he's fun, man. <laughs> yeah, I think if Joey Gallo is healthy, then yeah, Joey Gallo. Yeah, so uh, I'm taking Joey Gallo on uh, home runs, but Chris Davis is a strikeout artist, and not in a good way. Okay, no, Crush Davis is definitely... Crush Davis, well, yeah, formerly, the artist formerly known as Crush Davis. Uh, and then there's actually, there's Chris with a K, who plays on the same team as as uh, Joey Gallo. Wow. No, I that, that'll be, um, that'll be one to watch. I got a question for you, Owen. Yeah. I have my answers. So give me give me two things. Yeah. Give me a a player who you think is uh, I have mine. Give me a who a player you think is really underrated and we should watch in MLB either because you know maybe people don't know about him or because you think he's maybe well known but underlooked. And then give me a team like you're talking about. Give me give me a team that. Uh, that's not a contender that'll be your favorite, you know, MLB extra innings watch that you'll just enjoy watching. That maybe is not necessarily a playoff uh, contender. Mm. You know, I, I got a really good one, actually. I got okay. a really good one. That's Whit Merrifield. Oh, Whit Merrifield. Three, three hit Whit, yeah. Whit Merrifield, for whatever reason, Hitter. is just like, oh, yeah. Whit Merrifield has a, has a multi-hit game. Oh, okay, so... Grass is green, sky is blue, water's wet. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. It, it, every time you look up box scores and you look at highlights from the previous day, it's like, oh, Whit Merrifield went four for five. Oh, he went three for four with three extra base hits. I'm just like, so good. How? Great. How? How is someone so good at putting the bat on the ball and just being just a pure hitter? 
that's hitter. Yeah. Oh, that's, dude, he's an awesome hitter. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Off the top of the lineup. What about, um, yeah. what about team? Just team that you, uh, you know, team you'll enjoy watching. Uh, it's one of already says the angels. Angels? Okay. I think I, I'll, I'm going to watch more of the Angels than, than I have in years past just because Otani is healthy. And, you know, the, the buzz around a healthy two-way player, a true two-way player, I think there, you can't really... I mean, that, that's something that draws attention from people who don't follow baseball because you're looking at, oh, okay, this guy, you know, is drawing comparisons to Babe Ruth. And the moment you say Babe Ruth, people are like, wait, hold, hold on, hold on now. Babe Ruth? The Babe Ruth? And, and so, you know, how can you ignore that i guess okay no that's that's i mean for sure oh he's he's a stud dude <laughs> oh, yep. man. He's absolute a, stud we still dude we should totally do a a podcast where we just do mlb extra innings watchability rankings <laughs> yeah i definitely want to do that um, yeah the blue jays padres and uh angels are right up there already we should rank from one to 30 bro yeah um, uh, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that in the future pod. But yeah, we'll definitely you, do that. I'll, I'll give you my two. All right, who do you got? You can do a lot of a lot of uh, different directions. So you want the team or the player first? Uh, give me the team first. Okay. Um, I'm actually gonna go Kansas City. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna go Kansas City. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned that. Um, because I think that to me, they have a really cool mix of young talent and mm. and good fun older players so their rotation they've got a lot of good young guys who are either like coming up or are rookies or second year players and so their rotation is going to be you know really fun to watch plus they got mike minor now Mm. so they actually got a fun guy um but you know i think that for sure uh a guy to keep an eye on is brad brad keller Mm. um I would say, and then also they just have fun players. Like I said, Whit Merrifield, I think Mondesi, he's a fun guy. I mean, you've got Jorge Soler, who just swings for the fences. That that home run he hit today was one of the farthest balls I've ever seen hit in that stadium. He he hit one almost into the fountain in right center. I mean, that's that's home run derby territory. Wow. You don't hit those you don't hit balls that far in regular games. I mean, I think Mike Trout hit one over the batter's eye. In in uh, Kansas City, but that's also Mike Trout. Mike Trout is, is is he's not fair. He's a cheat code. Wow. Okay, I didn't. I'll have to watch that home run. I didn't. Get yeah, to see. you'll uh, you'll see it, and you'll 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 see where I'm coming from. He pounds it, but yeah, you yeah. Got him. I mean, all the, and just other fun guys. I mean, Salvador Perez, Hunter Dozier. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. guys hit hard. So yeah, yeah, no. So we'll see. And Benny Biceps, Andrew oh. Benintendi. Of course, yeah. I mean, huge ones. <laughs> Boston legend Andrew Benintendi. Oh yeah, that's right, Benny. Uh, geez, man. I mean, look at that team. I mean, you never know if they can get some pitching. Yeah, it's, it, the thing I was going to bring up though with their pitching staff specifically is it's you wonder since there's so much attention around the White Sox this year, you wonder if Tim Anderson takes Keller deep again this year, what what kind of reaction we're going to get uh, because uh, Anderson's bat spike has become iconic. And because the White Sox have that attention, that national attention now, you've got to think, hang on, hang on. There could be there could be some some genuine beef here, and I'm all for it. I mean, bro, for sure, dude. Tim Anderson, he has no problem flipping a bat 
you know, uh, nor should he excited, you know, and, uh, nope. just to back up my point, bro. I mean, well, Brad Keller, you know, struggled, but they won 14 to 10 today. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then I'll give you my player. So All there's right. a lot Who's of your player? players, but I'm not going to go there. I'm actually going to go. I just think this player is really exciting mm. and he fits very well with the team. That's Adam Eaton with Chicago. Wow. I just okay. That's a fascinating fit. And he's such an exciting young player to watch. And so if he can stay healthy, which has been a big problem for him, I mean, I think he could have a really big, good bounce back season and could really be like the experienced engine that makes that team like tick. Yeah. I mean, and it'll be huge this year too, because they won't have Jimenez for their, uh, for the season. Yep. So yeah, it was a big loss. You know, someone needs to to kind of be that spark plug at the top of the order, uh, at least in the outfield, and and be able to to you know basically try, try to cover what what Jimenez brought to the table. But that's that's really hard to do when they basically before he even played in the big league, played substantially in the big leagues. They gave him a huge contract extension. Yep. That was. Yep. We'll see how that turns out. But that's you know when when a player is that young, and definitely not proven at the big league level to give them that amount of money is it means that you see something that no one else is seeing or you absolutely will not let him go uh anywhere else Mm -hmm. i mean that's it's ridiculous i mean what was it like six years like 72 million dollars without having or maybe it was more than that yeah i think it was six years uh, i think it was a little cheaper six years 40 something yeah, let me double check. Six year, forty three million. Okay, still, but that's uh, two options through twenty twenty six, growing up to seventy eight million. So no, actually, no, he got he got an extension though. I'm looking it down. Eight years, seventy five million. Ah, okay, there we go. Yeah, no, so there, so there you go. I mean, without without substantial big league experience. So yeah, it, that guy can really hit though, man. But, yeah, yeah, I know you're right, but that it's still risky. It's it's a Absolutely. You know. High risk, high reward. If you yeah. are a White Sox fan. So a lot of really fun storylines in the American League and, and even in the National League that we talked about uh both today and a couple weeks ago, Willie. But yeah. um you know, I think we've almost covered the American League. I I don't know if there's a whole lot else we need to, to really say anything about the Red Sox. <laughs> I mean, they're lucky to win eighty games. Okay. They just the the question the response to the question who's pitching for the Red Sox today is more often than not going to be I don't know who yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that's that's the appropriate response uh, outside of Mar- Martin Perez uh, Nate Evaldi I mean Tanner Houck sure um, I mean Bobby Dahlbeck's a fun young prospect he had like seven home runs in the spring. Uh, Devers is fine. Is you know still developing as a player and still getting better. Xander Bogarts is the the old guy on the team now. Um, there's there's a lot of a lot of um, just there's a, a lot of mess going on with the Sox. Um, I, yeah. I don't think they're going to have a winning record. I don't think they're going to be in the conversation. They're not going to be relevant really. Uh, they can play spoiler though in September, which is the funny part because especially when you consider that you know three playoff teams out of the American League came from the uh, AL East last year. Uh, you know, that end of the season, all those divisional games, they could, they could be spoiler. You know, they could uh, knock someone out of the playoffs or, you know, 
humiliate someone to the point where they go into the playoffs, you know, limping and and not exactly playing with confidence. Uh, so, okay. but yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be good in the slightest. Yeah, nothing for them. No, okay. nothing. Okay. Yeah, no. It's um, how many uh, homers is Renfro going to hit over the uh, the wall? Over the monster. <laughs> Yeah. Um, how many how many taters is gonna hit over the monster? Uh, I don't know about thirty taters over the monster. <laughs> no, I don't know. Hit over forty. Yeah, I, I would I would say he's he's gonna leave the yard. If makes contact with the ball, that ball goes high. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say he's gonna leave the yard quite a bit this year. He's also gonna strike out a lot. That's a that's an issue oh, with Renfro. Hitter, I mean hit or miss, man. Yeah, feast or famine, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, um, monster. So you have a final takeaway for the uh, American League before we head over to hot takes? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and this is just a general point, but I just want to say that I think one thing I'm going to work on um, and just uh, uh, throughout this podcast and just in general when you talk about it, sports and baseball and you know i'm gonna work on it and I, I think it's just fun is i just think like sometimes what gets lost in these sports is we we talk so much about the contenders and and stuff and i i just think like sports is about being fun mm. and that's why i talk about the teams that are most fun to watch that will be great or just the fun players yeah it's, you know, there's so many games it's like who do you, what players do you tune in to watch? Or like, what teams do you think are going to be the most interesting games? Like, you know, if they don't matter. And so I think it's just, I'm just really looking forward because there's going to be a lot of games, but more than, look, I, I know within reasonable certainty, for the most part, we can probably tell you maybe not what order they're finishing, but probably who are going to be the playoff teams. But I'm really excited to watch just to see the fun players and the fun teams that, I'm like, I want to watch some baseball. These are these are why th- that's going to make the game fun. Yeah, so I think no. that's that's interesting. No, I agree, and I'm I'm definitely in the same in the same boat as well. As far as you know, trying to appreciate more of just the general yeah. player b- field that we have these days, because no matter who you who you root for, no matter who your team is, who your favorite players are, there's a lot of really exciting players out there. And baseball, I think, is in a really good place right now. Um, yeah. There's a lot of good young talent, and it's up to Rob Manfred and you know everyone who works for him to understand that there is a huge marketing value in each of these players, and basically telling them what they can and cannot say is mm-hmm. the wrong move as far as growing the sport. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's got to be one of those things where players are allowed. And, and this is one of the things that baseball just it really irks me is that the fact that we have these quote-unquote unwritten rules and, and it's it we've talked about this before it's like if you give up a tank don't don't get mad at the batter for flipping his bat because you gave up a tank don't give up a tank in the first place put him on base do anything else if you don't want him to get mad it, it's it i don't feel like it's a hard thing and you're and we talked about this again you're not trying to intentionally show up your opponent you're just playing the game with flair with emotion i mean have you seen the bat flips in the korean league they're fun they flip the bat all over the place and no one is getting salty yep And, and and it's like how how do a bunch of folks who play in korea flip their bats all over the place and not bat an eyelash but 
one guy drops his bat in a somewhat not aggressive way but in a slightly more energetic way and all of a sudden there's a bases there's a benches clearing brawl like what how is that possible i don't understand it and it's just it's one of those old baseball things that needs to stay in the past has to absolutely has to no i i agree it's it's ridiculous it, it feels like they're trying to zap the fun from the game by doing these rules. And I just look, I just think that with that, you know, the MLB should look at the NBA yeah. and they say, look, the NBA, um, there's a little bit of a race for the playoffs, but for the most part, people will turn into tune into, you know, 82 games a year, you know, a lot of games because, you know, they're, there's an entertainment value. You know, there's like, there's individual players where you're like, I'm going to turn on NBA league pass and be like, yeah, like I'm going to watch it. And the MLB through, like you're saying through the rules, they need to let, let the players have fun, man. Mm-hmm. And, and just be like, man, like I'm just going to watch this. Cause it's going to be fun. You know what I mean? And, and it, it does feel like you're right. It's like some of the fun with the, with the great young players that we're having mm-hmm. in the game. It just feels like with that and the rules, they're just stymieing the potential growth here. Right. It's and, really sad to see. And they have that marketing phrase, let the kids play, right? And, and sure, play, yeah. if if the commissioner's office is fine with it, cool, whatever. If they're the ones who are trying to push that, then that is A-OK. But the rest of baseball has to be on board. I mean, we talked about Fernando Tatis hitting a grand slam went up seven. Like, that's that's letting the kids play. That is not being disrespectful. That is not being rude. That is letting the kids play. And when you say, let the kids play, when you have this marketing slogan trying to get the game to be more inclusive and, and grow the base of people who love and appreciate this game. And then you have, on the other side of that, a bunch of you know old baseball guys who you know play the game the right way, don't show anyone up, you know play the game with respect and integrity. Playing to win does not mean you're playing without integrity. That's not, absolutely not what that means. Playing without integrity is the Houston Astros. It, yep. it, it's not flipping your bat. It's not celebrating when you do something cool. You know how hard hitting a baseball is for, for those folks who don't uh, follow baseball as hard? It's incredibly hard to hit a baseball. And if you can hit one 450 feet, flip that bat in I don't care how many directions. If I'm a pitcher and I give up a 500-foot home run, you, you just laugh. You can't you you gave up a 500 foot home run, but the guy flip is bad. Whatever it, why does it affect you? It is your fault, sure, but you can't control what someone else does. So, no. It's just it's 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 not at all disrespectful, and I hate that we have to talk about this over and over and over again. You know something's got to change. Something around baseball's got to change if it's going to be more exciting. Yeah, I think I think that you said it before. They have the mantra, let the kids play. You got to just let them play, man. Like, yep. just stop and, like, you know. Also, I think just the highlight ability, it's just, like, by cracking down on this shit, it's, like, you're mm. you're stopping the social media interests. Yep. Those moments where it's, like, these, this is cool. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Exactly. So, look. I want to see like Tim Anderson play, but I want to see him smash, flip his bat, celebrate, kind of get in the pitcher's face a little bit. Like we mm-hmm. need more of that. We need yep. some, 
some trash talk. Like we, we do this kind of stuff. We need some showboating. So yep, some rivalries here. So just you know, I yeah, something something has got to change. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, before we move on to hot takes, Willie, uh, this is actually a segue into my hot take. Okay. You've talked about who your World Series pick is, and right. you're sticking with the Atlanta Braves for whatever reason. And I commend you for that because it's a ballsy thing to do. Um, but I got to give you my World Series pick because okay. we've talked about the National League, we've talked about the American League now, and I still haven't told you who I think is going to win the World Series. Okay. And it's funny you talk about rivals. Because the team that's going to win the World Series, and I don't know if I've back, I don't know if I've already mentioned a World Series pick, but I don't think I've formally given my pick for the World Series this year. Yeah. So, come October 2021, the team lifting the Commissioner's Trophy. <sighs> I hate, I hate it. I hate saying this, and you know where I'm going with it. I, I think you can figure out where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. It's oh. the New York Yankees. I hate it. I hate oh, saying that, but they're going to win the World Series this year. Over the Dodgers. That'd be a great World Series. <laughs> yep. Yankees, Dodgers, uh, Yankees in seven. You do? Okay. Yep. Yep. I think that wow. everything is kind of lining up the way the Yankees need to. The talent is there. The stuff is there. It's what we talked about with Matt earlier. It's all there. It's all there. All it takes is just timing. That's all it is. I mean, I talked about this earlier. The Dodgers were knocking on the door for a few years before they actually broke through. Same thing with the Yankees. 2017 was the start of it. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21's the year. So I I I would like them to, I would like to be wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't get it twisted. I would like to be wrong. Very much so. And I'd like you to be right. But I, I I just have that bad feeling about the Yankees this year. You do? Okay. Yeah. And sometimes that bad feeling, you know, isn't always right, but... Well, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, when are you ever mm. going to get an American League this wide open? Exactly. Right? So, I mean, that's half the battle right there. I mean, there's not many teams you think that can beat them in maybe a five-game and not a seven-game series. Exactly, huh? So, yeah, that that's half the battle right there. And, wow. And... And, you know, yes, I think the division's going to be competitive, and I think the Blue Jays are going to give them a run for their money, and I think the Rays are going to be better than people think. But ultimately, when it, when it comes down to it, I don't think there's any other team in the American League right now that pound for pound can stay in a fight with the Yankees for seven games. Five games, potentially, but probably not. Seven games, no way. Wow. I, just, I just don't, I don't see it this year. Okay. Um, See, and you think the roster is constructed is is good enough? I think it it has potential right now, but they can go make it better. And they probably will. Okay. Because, you know, I I don't like him because of 2003, but Aaron Boone is a terrific manager. Yeah, he is. Aaron Boone is a very, very smart manager. Garcia is an opener in game of yep. the uh, ALDS. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that that's one thing, you know, it's it's by and large I think a lot of what he's brought to the team is a new way of thinking and a new way of communicating with players and and getting yeah. them to adopt a certain a certain 
For sure, he's a good manager. Perspective of the game. I just think he's a really good manager. He's what the team need needed at that point. Um, you know, to go from the old school with Girardi into this new era of sabermetrics and analytics and and you know players embracing their their own flair and their own desires to uh you know mm-hmm. to flip bats and and have fun yeah i just no. i don't know it's this is not supported by statistics and yes they lost today you know whatever it's it's game one okay. of 162 it's what it's not gonna deter them from their their ultimate goal this year i think and you know i don't like saying it but i think they i think they do it this year okay i mean look i, I think that for me well, let me ask you this, Owen. I mean, because I think the Yankees, what do you need to see for them that's going to make you believe in them? Because what do I, need? I, I just, I, I like, I know this is, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit, but for me, it's just like the problem with the Yankees is when it comes to the rotation, I'm never going to be convinced about anything other than Garrett Cole until we see the postseason. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not, whether it's injuries or young prospects that are going to be new this year or their new off-seasons acquisitions, I, there's just nothing, like, I'm not going to be sold on them at all. And when it, like, say what you want about, you know, these other teams, but I mean, say what you want about Tampa. I mean, they can really pitch. Yeah, so that's true. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but what I, what I was getting at earlier, and I think this is something that you know it it very well could backfire, and it could show me how little I know about baseball. <laughs> but when you have a situation where you're stockpiling arms, and you're not necessarily just going out and and like with the Dodgers having Kershaw and Bueller and Bauer and uh, May and Gonsolin and Price and you have a, a host of guys who can throw the rock. Blake Trinan looked unbelievable the other day as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, it looks like he looks like the Blake Trinan of old yeah. uh, with that just heavy 100 mile an hour sinker. Um, yeah. For me, it's one of those things where when you have Garrett Cole, that's your certainty. That's your ace. There's your guy. Right? Mm-hmm. Two through, we'll say, we'll call it two through four. Between Domingo Herman, Debbie Garcia, Luis Severino, Jameson Tyon, and Corey Kluber, you've got to figure at least two of those are going to come good. And then you have Jordan Montgomery as a stopgap number five. Um, if you know, if another, you know, if you don't have a fourth, you know, he'd be number four, or number five, what have you. So that right there in a hundred sixty-two game season looks a lot better than most teams can say. And yeah. I think that only that only bodes well for October because if you can keep a lot of the guys like Cole and like, you know, Tyon and Kluber and Domingo Herman and Lou Severino healthy, if you can keep those guys healthy for a full season, then you can keep your bullpen fresh. And the Nats showed us in 2019, you don't necessarily have to have a statistically good bullpen or a statistically bad bullpen or a statistically mediocre bullpen, but even statistically the worst bullpen in baseball in 2019 and and win the damn World Series. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things that leads me to believe that this is 
this this is the year. It has to be the year for the Yankees. Otherwise, that doubt starts creeping in. If not, they're in trouble. Exactly. And the doubt starts creeping in about, you know, is Aaron Boone the right guy for the job? Uh, is, you know, Giancarlo Stanton worth the trouble? Is he worth the money? Is, is Aaron Judge going to be worth the money? Should we let, should we go out and get someone in a trade? Should we dangle, you know, Glaber Torres potentially? So, it, I, I, you know, I, I, I think this has to be the year. See, look, I, I don't think Stanton's been worth the money. You know, I, well, you know, injuries. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say there's a lot of reasons that, that, that point to it. You're right. This may very well, you know, have to be the year and, and, but, but man, I, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I think that, I think they're just missing some stuff, man. I, I just, I really think so. I really, we'll see. But we'll see. Yep, we will see. We will see. Well, uh, that's my hot take. I only had that one today. You know what? Uh, I just want to say this, man. It, it, yeah. it, you know what it, what it feels like with the Yankees, man? I, I don't know what it is. It just feels like they have been beating around the bush with their rotation for so long. And it's like they're, an M- like they're just taking flyers on all these guys. And like, what, it's just like. I don't know what they, what they've been thinking. Maybe they're like, so I don't know. I just don't get it. I mean, but. I mean that's true. But how you, how many flyers did Boston take in 2013? Mike Napoli, Shane Victorino, Koji Ohara, Joel Hanrahan, Andrew Bailey. Two of those guys didn't work. I mean, those two right there didn't work out. Um, mm-hmm. it, they did, they took so many flyers on so many different players, and sometimes that can be that can be better than. Than actually, you know, going out and getting an established player like Garrett Cole. That's very. I mean, not not. It's not actually better than Garrett Cole. Let me make that one hundred percent clear. It's not Uh, better than Garrett Cole, not in the slightest. But it's is very very important for a team. Very very important, especially just for for the clubhouse too, because you you know you have guys who've been all like Kluber's been, you know, he's been to a couple different organizations. He's bounced around a little bit in the last few years. Um, Tyon has, I think, a change of scenery is helping him. It could very well help him, you know, reach that next level because the stuff is there. Uh, Severino coming back from injury could be, you know, like like getting a new player, uh, you know, et et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, taking a flyer is not a bad. It's not a guarantee. That's for sure. There is a lot of risk inherently involved in that, but there's there's potential, and that that scares me. Okay. I don't. I would ideally not like the Yankees to win a World Series. I would like your take to be right about them winning World Series, but we'll see. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um. All right. So that yeah. I mean, dang man. I I really hope I really hope you're not right. I really hope you're not right, man. Me too. So, um, all right. I'll give you my. I'll give you my. Um hot takes here yep okay so this is a i think a a a wicked hot one all right what do you got for us okay um for for al mvp i'm gonna go with luis robert wow i think he's gonna have a breakout breakout season okay you know he he's gotta get that average up but man, that guy can field and he, he's got power. So, I mean, man, I, 
I'm thinking they really need him. He's going to have a breakout season. So there you go. There, there's, there's one hot take. What do you think? It's, it's a good take. It's, it's not the hottest take you've ever had on the show. I'm going to be right. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a good one. And it, it gets, it gets you thinking about, you know, what does the field look like as far as American League MVP this year? Because yeah, Mike Trout's always in the conversation. We don't have to mention him really. Is in a walk year? Is Carlos Correa in that conversation? Is mm. Teoscar Hernandez in that conversation? Is, is Bo Bichette in that conversation? Does mm-hmm. he have a breakout year? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's there's so much just raw talent to go with the established names that we know in the American League this year. Um, I mean, what what about Miguel Cabrera? Could he have? Could he turn back the clock a little bit? What if he turns back the clock a little bit? I, don't, I mean, he went yard today, hit the first home run of the season in, in a snowstorm in Detroit. So, you know, hey, stranger things have happened. That's all I'm saying. But wow, yeah, okay. I, I like the take, though. I like it. I'll say this. I'll say this. And I, I think that anyone who likes baseball would agree that Luis Robert is a superstar in the making. Yes. Like yes. Uh, very few people who follow baseball would disagree with you. Yeah. He's, uh, he's something. Okay. Um, so I got, I got three. All right. Uh, what else? So the, the second one, the second one is this. So I was kind of alluding to it earlier. Um, I think that Clayton Kershaw is going to have a horrific season with the ERA in the fives. Ooh. And I think that there will be calls for, what what is the, what is gonna what is he gonna do after this year? Well, see, I I don't necessarily disagree I in the sense that into the four point fives, but I yeah, I, I think his his career high is like three and a half, mm-hmm. which you know yeah. most guys that's that's lower than their career they're lower than their career low. So yeah. it, I'd be hard pressed to disagree because honestly, it, it just it has the feeling that all Clayton Kershaw needed was that World Series, and he has it now. And yeah. so I don't know if the drive and motivation is there. And plus, he's he's had injuries for the past how many seasons now? Six, seven seasons? He's, he's dealt with a lot of injuries lately. And it's I think his mechanics... I talked about this in the preview, I think, of the National League. His mechanics, I think, are catching up to him, and it's putting a lot more strain on the back than a 33-year-old. I think he's probably turning 34 this season. Uh, than a 34-year-old... 33-year-old, sorry, can handle... Uh, it, it does not seem inconceivable that he could have a high ERA, but I don't think it's going to be in the fives, let alone probably not even the fours. You know, f- bad for Kershaw is probably going to be like a three seven five. Okay, that would be a horrendous year for him. So, you, you, what do you think his ERA will be? Uh, it'll be sub four, I think. I, I don't think it'll be. It, it can't possibly be be higher than five or lower or higher than four even. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. And I'll say this. Um, all right. Um, that's, that's something. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just me. Okay. And then the, and the last one, um, I'll just say, um, you know, and I wouldn't even say that this is a super big hot take, but I, I do think it is. Um, I think we've seen the last good bit of baseball from Max Scherzer. Mm. And I think that he's he's 
a little washed. Um, and he has no good years left in him. Damn. So I don't, I don't think you'll see one more good year from Max Scherzer the rest of his career. Wow. I mean, if, if that's the case, I mean, what, a, what a career it's been. Um, no doubt Hall of Famer. Probably first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, yep. Wow. I mean, if, if, if you're right about that, then, you know, it, it really is the turning of the turning of the page. Uh, you know, we're on to a new generation of players. Um, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like going with. You got to yeah. think about Verlander, Scherzer, yeah. Kershaw. Uh, there's probably others. You know? Price. Price, yeah. Uh, Lester as well. Yeah. I mean, Lester's kind of been on the wrong side of... He's been, you know, going downhill for a little bit. But still, I mean, these are these are guys who tore it up in the late 2000s, early uh, early 2010s. And, you know, this is just what happens in, in baseball. You know, your body breaks down, especially if you're a pitcher and you don't have the, the velo you used to and... and with a lot of power pitchers, and most of these guys are power pitchers anyway. Uh, the velo is the first thing to go, um, and yeah. usually when that happens, your uh, your numbers spike up unless you adapt, and yeah. it, it's it's tough. Uh, Granky as well, Felix Hernandez, I think, who opted out of his deal with uh, Baltimore. Yeah, I, think, I, mean, look, I think Hernandez is done. He's done. I think he is too. Yeah. yeah for sure. I think Granky. That's another one to keep an eye on for sure. It does. I mean, Sabathia retired. I mean, yeah. last year. I, I just. I think we are going to see a new era but it's weird because i mean you see all these guys we've mentioned somehow keep sticking around and felix was like the first guy to kind of tumble but yeah hanging on yeah so i you know i think we'll we'll see that i mean you know you could yeah that's true i mean for all we know justin verlander could go full nolan ryan on us and pitch until he's like 45 and still throw like in the high nineties and his, his late in his mid to late forties. Wow, you never know. I I don't think it will though, just because of of how long he's been. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's kind of similar to Nolan Ryan when you think about it, because of how long his career was and and how he basically threw hard his entire career. Um, you know, that's a really rare thing. But you know, who who knows? Truth truthfully, with this generation of pitchers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's crazy, man. I um, I gotta tell you that I I'm sad about it. But, yeah, you know. but that means the uh, the young arms have a uh, have a lot to live up to, and I think we're we're in for an exciting little transition period. You know. Yeah. I yeah, I'll miss power pitching, but no. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> dude, everyone's a power pitcher these days. Everyone's blowing ninety five and up. It's it's getting kind of absurd. Well, I would say this though, man. I would say that um, I don't know. I'll say this, bro. Is um, I read this article before, and um, believe it or not, last year I believe the fastball was at a like five or six year low. Really? Um, yeah, its usage. And I think it's because. Well, yes, you, you, it, it seems like everyone throws hard. I think that it's because players know that hitters can hit fastballs. So, you know, that is one small trend to keep an eye on. That was just a blip in the radar or, or what? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always going to be one side trying to gain a competitive edge. I mean, obviously, with it well within the laws of the game, not, you know, not you, Houston, um, well yeah. within the laws of the game to try to outdo the other side. So whether it's hitters getting better at, at identifying spin, whether it's pitchers trying to throw harder, you know, it's it's always a back and forth chess match. Yeah. No, for sure, man. It's uh look, analytics has changed the game. Yeah. Like very much so. You get an edge. And I mean, I do feel like I mean, this one thing I didn't say, but I feel like a few of the things that really changed the game and like away from the Yankees were analytics and I think the luxury tax and yeah. uh, the new bargaining uh revenue sharing rules. All, all yep. those things have really changed the game. No, I agree. I agree. They've they've had a um a bit not a fall from grace if you will but they've had to change their kind of identity if you will and now their identity isn't just go spend big money on free agents anymore because you know the phillies signed bryce harper to that mega deal the padres signed tatis to that big deal after signing machado and hosmer the blue jays signed george springer to that massive deal uh mike trout is a baseball's 400 million dollar man uh mookie betts signed a big extension you know, there's they're throwing money around like it's monopoly money, and Crazy. that used to be the Yankees' calling card, and everyone else was just trying to play catch up. I mean, yes, you you still have small market teams like the Rays and the A's and and teams that are kind of trying to do it in a financially sound way. I think the Cardinals are another good example of that. They're not a small market, but they're they're doing it in a way that's very you know you don't see them going out and splashing two hundred million dollars over six seven years on a, on a player. Yeah, no, I mean. It's true. It's uh, these long, long, long things. <laughs> yeah. Well, the game's changing, and we're just uh, we're just here for the ride, truly. Yeah, just here but for the ride. We'll see. We are excited for the rest of baseball season, if you will, because today is opening day, April first, as we record this. This will be out uh, April second at seven a.m. Eastern time. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to see um, the Nats and the Mets this weekend. I think I know tomorrow they were supposed to play tomorrow but it got canceled. So hopefully we'll see them at some point. Um, but you know, it's wide open in the American league. So who knows what's going to happen? Truly wide open, bro. Wide open. Uh, any final thoughts, Willie, before we wrap it up? How about that? Uh, that Bellinger Turner play today. Oh boy. They, they went full Atlanta there and just forgot how to run the bases. I never seen anything like that one. At the professional level, no. You see that at the little league level, and and sometimes at you know the middle and high school level, but never at the big league level. Never was, in professionals. Sure, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. don't I don't understand how it happened. So for for folks who weren't familiar, uh, you go look up the the place because it's kind of hard to describe. But basically, Cody Bellinger hit a home run. Justin Turner didn't see it was a home run and tried to go back to first because. You know, he was trying to not get doubled up, and then he actually passed Cody Bellinger on the base paths, which you can't do. Uh, so Cody Bellinger's home run was basically put into, or basically made into a single. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I've, I've never seen anything like it either. <laughs> completely, crazy. completely bizarre, but... Uh, mm-hmm. A big thank you to Matt Ryle for joining us uh, to talk uh, talk baseball, talk Yankees, talk American League, a little bit of basketball in there as well. Um, 
you know, we're, we're hoping to have more and more guests on the show as we as we get into this, um, you know, especially with the Euros this summer, uh, mm. Champions League ramping up again this week. Um, hopefully we'll be able to to talk Champions League on, on Thursday and, and get ready for uh, for this return leg uh, of these quarterfinals. The quarterfinals actually start this week. Yeah. Um, so we'll get be able to talk about the, the second leg this week and, and whatnot. Um, but a lot yeah. of exciting stuff. I'm furious. And the, yeah. And the Masters next week as well. Oh, yeah. It's just it's there's so much to look forward to uh, for uh, for both myself and Willie. So, yep, that does it for us. This has been episode 36 of Hot Takes Only, our American League preview. 161 to go. Uh, and I got to say, Willie, I'm I'm just excited. No matter what happens, it's baseball. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Me, too. And. Folks, make sure you follow us on social media uh, at HTO Podcast on Twitter is the best place. Uh, occasionally, we'll have clips from the show and and whatnot. And don't be sure to, or don't be sure to, be sure to follow us on Spotify as well or wherever you get your podcast. Drop a follow. Always appreciate it if you like what you heard. And if you didn't like what you heard, get out. Uh, let us know on social media, and we'll uh, we'll work on the show we're working on again getting uh, more and more guests and and getting into you know some of the the stuff we talk about on the show but really don't dig into you know it's all real surface level uh, at some of it especially you know some of the sports psychology i think that would be a really interesting really yeah. interesting thing to get into absolutely yeah uh, anyways but thank you all so much for listening you, remember you can get this podcast anywhere spotify apple literally anywhere you get your podcasts uh and as well uh, anchor.fm slash hot takes only that is our website that is a place to get all the episodes for hot takes only outside of those podcasting platforms that is a lot to say and that's not rehearsed (laughs) it's just me spitballing but thank you all so much for listening this has been episode 36 of hot takes only we'll see you next time